Who's that riding into the sun? Who's the man with the itchy gun? Who's the man who kills for fun? Psycho Dad! Psycho Dad! Psycho Dad! Let's rock. Thanks, Dad. Can I get a woman? No Man presents, live from the Nudie Bar, the Married with Children podcast. Welcome back to the Down Under Nudie Bar in Australia, the Married with Children podcast. Today, while we're drinking our Fosters and VB, we are reviewing Season 9, Episode 12, I Want My Psycho Dad, Part 1, and uh, which originally aired on the 11th of December, 1994. My name is Matt, and, uh, oh dear, well, I'm just, you know, really ravenous and really hungry and ready for my favourite show. Who's gonna ride into the sun? Who's the man with the itchy gun? Who's the man who kills for fun? Psycho Dad, Psycho Dad, Psycho Dad. This is Chris, and man, I'm so excited to watch Psycho Dad. And my name's Tyler, and I'm just going to blame what you all just heard squarely where it belongs on Chris's mother. Who's the guy whose show is done? Who's TV heroes on the rock? Who'll be watching VH1? Loser Chris, loser Chris, loser Chris. Well, shut my mouth and call me Maridaniac. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we're so mean. Oh, Annabelle, I didn't realize you were going to be so mean to Chris, too. Oh. It's still not quite as mean as the old friend of mine who um, wanted to throw my DVDs onto the fire, as I mentioned before in this podcast. <laughs> oh, you sound like such an old man, Matt. But happy birthday, by the way. Oh, thank you, Tyler. Thank you, thank you. It's nice to be finally in my 30s, yes. Which reminds me, um, we're recording this in April of 2021, like on the 4th of April, and Married of Children turns 34 on the 5th of April. So happy birthday to Married of Children, too. Woo! Yeah. Anyway, so, uh, Season 9, Episode 12, I Want My Psycho Dead Part 1, had the following amazing guest appearances. Harold Sylvester as Griff, E.E. E. Bell as Bob Rooney, Dan Tullis Jr. Officer Dan, Tom McClellister as Ike, Andrew Prine as the legendary Psycho Dead himself, Teresa Parente as Miranda Veracruz de la Hoya Cardinal, and Billy Brown as cameraman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just cameraman according to IMDb. But he's not really important compared to the rest of the guest cast in this episode. Yes, and well done on pronouncing Miranda's name. I would have, I would have like just skipped her honestly. <laughs> I was reading the spelling from IMDb, and I know enough Spanish pronunciation to know that's an S, that's an H sound. So I know I ran Spanish well enough. Wait, what letters were that? Did you say an H or an A? Well, an H, so, because obviously holla, well, J-O-O-O-A is pronounced holla. In I, I know what yeah. you said, Matt. I was making fun of the Australian. <laughs> 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 it's not 
funny when you take it so sincerely. <laughs> Can't insult these guys. We've played Knifey Spoonie before. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> I've used all the lazy Australian jokes already. I have to start getting more clever with them. Yeah, well, I've told you before, there's been plenty of classic Australian TV or movies I have to link you to at some point. Uh, YouTube is full of some of them, but uh, yeah, that could be maybe a podcast special. Anna and Matt's um, reviews favorite Australian things. <laughs> I would pay extra to hear that. Okay, yeah. So I throw it out there. Anyway, so uh, so the title of this, of this episode is a reference to the line "I want my MTV" in the Dire Straits' 1985 song "Money for Nothing," and also the slogan for MTV. And apparently, this 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 could have been sledge. This was originally sledge for early season eight in the previous year of 1993. But there was a big debate about TV violence in the government and Congress and in the media at the time. So they decided to move it to season nine for a bit less controversy. And it probably explains why there was no two-parter in season eight. So, that, interesting point there. I mean, season eight was pretty pretty, pretty good. And, uh, well, it meant Psycho Dead lasted longer in the, in the Bundy universe, if you ask me, which is, a, which is good in my book. No, I was just going to uh, interject to say, I'm wondering if any of our American friends, particularly Chris, if you remember anything that was going on at that time, because we sort of have to rely on articles that we can find on the internet. Because there's one I found from October 1993. It's from the New York Times, and um, it just says in part that Attorney General Janet Reno told the television industry that unless it moved immediately to stem the tide of shootings, stabbings, and other mayhem beamed daily into the, nation, into the nation's homes, the White House and Congress would seek laws to do it for them. So I'm just wondering um, if you remember what was going on in America at that time. Um, must, I mean, there are a few articles out there, but I'm just wondering just how much there was to, ma- to, to delay an idea like this for a whole season. Annabelle, you were like on point. Chris, you 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 remember that horrible time when you you, know, you would just like put on Die Hard and be like, "Oh my God, I'm gonna go and bust into a uh, you know a window exhaust uh, exhaust system and climb through and shoot up a place." I mean, the TV told me to do it, Chris. Like, what else are we supposed to do? <laughs> right. Right, right. You know, uh, I, I remember just, just as far as children's programming, I remember there always being an issue with everything. Uh, like uh, a, a show that I've been binging recently um, is Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. It was a show from my childhood. And uh, Lord Zed was uh, introduced in episode season two, episode one, as the new like lead villain. And he was awesome when they first introduced him. Uh, but by the second half of the season and really on into the third season, they had toned him down so much due to so many parental complaints to where he was like almost like like a running gag. By the time you got into the third season, he was like a running gag. He wasn't as violent anymore. He wasn't as menacing, menacing anymore. And uh, I'll give you a second example. Uh, one of my favorite uh, movies from my childhood is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, uh, the the very first one, the 1990 version, uh, Shredder was a badass at the first movie. I mean, he was literally like a tank, <laughs> like taking on the entire, entire Turtles team at the same time and kicking their ass. <laughs> like, I kid you not. And then in the second movie, the second movie, the guy could barely fight. Like, 
He looked more menacing, like his helmet was like all cut up and sharp, uh, sharp looking, but he never fought anymore. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so it's just like there is always some. Uh, now that's just in children's programming. I mean, I don't. I'm not for sure exactly what uh, Janet Reno was referring to there specifically, but I can tell you there was always something going on with children's programming, like changes being made due to parental complaints or someone offended or bothered due to too much violence or this or that. So that's my take on that. <laughs> she did reference a couple of things, but one of them was Beavis and Butters. Uh, apparently a five-year-old set his house on fire or something because he saw it on Beavis and Butthead. <laughs> fire! 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 <laughs> <laughs> I like it burning. Yeah. <laughs> cool. <laughs> fire! 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 <laughs> Um, but no, like Chris is uh, dead on Annabelle. Like there was a lot of problems with children's programming at that time, but it wasn't. There had been violence on television and people complaining about it way before the '90s. Uh, specifically, what happened in the '90s, uh, more with the late '80s uh, into the '90s, or two pre- American presidents who took it upon themselves to address. Uh, television and programming and that was ronald reagan and george bush uh senior and uh, george bush senior took on the uh famous aspect well actually his wife did um particularly uh taking it on to the simpsons uh, the simpsons were becoming really really big and showing dysfunctional families it all comes pointing back to the family dysfunctional families uh, you can have cop shows and uh, gangbangers in the streets and uh, shows about high schools where kids are doing crazy stuff. Um, but when you show families being affected or even <gasps> causing the violence themselves, Homer strangling Bart and having that um, applauded, um, was a Marry with children. Literally, I, how many episodes do we have where a mother, child, daughter, or something punches uh, a family member, l- literally punching them? And we laugh when we see these punches, like especially what Al does on, well, not this episode, but the part two of this one at the end, where he beats the crap out of some guy. That doesn't that wasn't really seen on a lot of family networks so the fact that the late night nbc and cbs programmings of homicide and everything were bleeding over into traditional family uh time so there the the line and distinction about where you could draw these kind of actions were was becoming blurred and uh whether or not these presidents wanted to piggyback off the sudden, you know, interest, pu- public interest, and spearhead this into Congress, uh, maybe they didn't know what they were playing with, but they all kind of lit matches on gas they may not have known was there, but it erupted into this uh, stuff that Reno and everything that was just mentioned. This is my take on it. I'm sure there are way better books out there, but this area was a hot. This was a hotbed time for this kind of stuff. I, uh, Matt, I, I actually, uh, or, uh, sorry, Tyler, I actually remember that. I, I know exactly what you're talking about with, um, The Simpsons and George H.W. Bush. We are going to keep on trying to strengthen the American family to make American families a lot more like the Waltons and a lot less like The Simpsons. Huh? 
Hey, you're just like the Waltons. You're playing for an end to the depression too. Um, I, I guess they actually, <laughs> I, I guess they buried yes. the hatchet because they wrote him into an episode. Remember? <laughs> oh, they didn't bury the hatchet. That was absolutely picking on him big time, but because he wasn't a president anymore. Well, was that was that not him? Was that not him voicing it though? I mean. Oh no, that was Harry that was Harry Shearer. That was Ned Flanders. Alright, mister. You want trouble, you're gonna get trouble. Oh, I want trouble, alright. Then you're gonna get trouble. No, you're gonna get trouble. Oh, that's good. That's good, because I want trouble. Then we're agreed there'll be trouble. Oh yeah, lots of trouble. Trouble it is! For you. Don't! Oh, I had no idea. <laughs> I always thought that was actually him. <laughs> yeah, they got Barbara Bush in too, and yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's been—I mean, it's been a long time since I've seen the episode. But as a kid, I always thought that was him because remember he gives Bart a spanking, and then him and Homer feud with each other I'm the whole episode. Do what someone should have done to you a long time. Yeah, ago. yeah. What yeah. uh, rewatch the episode uh, when you can, Chris? It's a really good one. But there's a scene where Ned Flanders, who's also voiced by Harry Shear, are sitting and talking with Bush. And he goes like, ah, howdy doodly, yes, I'm nicey bushy. Howdy doodly doodly doodly. They're doing this thing back and forth. <laughs> That's them literally so showing, that, yeah, we've got the same voice actor doing this. We're going to have the same man. Yeah, I mean, I haven't, I haven't seen that episode really since I was a kid, so. <laughs> Who, Maud and me? No, Bar and me. <laughs> And I can, Matt, I can also send you the letter, promo letter that Marge Simpson narrates of the letter that was written in response to uh, Bush's thing. It's written from Marge Simpson to Barbara Bush and narrated out loud by, um, uh, by Marge herself. It's very interesting to see to see this like happen because yeah the pre- the president shouldn't really be poking his nose in on this stuff but he does and this is the reaction that american television has this is a sacred area where politics shouldn't really touch and t- tv decided hey we're gonna fight back yes and uh, i'll also say um it's funny how things change at least here in australia because it, the simpsons was controversial amongst some um, similar um parts of Australian society, but those that were critical to Simpsons when it first came on tend to like it now, for what I've noticed here, Any, anyway. Nostalgia cures all uh, revolutionary uh, or, you know, new new age kind of stuff uh, that's supposed to be shocking. Now, then it becomes nostalgia long enough. And it probably also factors like how the Simpsons go to church, whereas, say, I don't think the family... The Griffins, the Family Guy, do for example. Uh, they did for the first few seasons. Oh. Uh, they ran out of Catholic jokes, though. Oh, of course. The Simpsons, being non-denominational Protestant, they say what they what what it is, and it's like a combination of seven different Protestant names. That's right. Um, which that's a plethora of uh, jokes nonstop. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, well, I think we should probably get back onto I Want My Psycho Dead Part 1. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, I'm sure we could do another podcast exclusive about um, this part, this t- TV in the 90s or what- whatever you want to call it. I think we could. That, that's actually a great idea for a podcast on its own. 
It is, but but unlike most tangents that we love to go off on in our big group uh, episodes, this is actually all blends very well because that's the main theme of one of my favorite dual episodes that we're going to be covering. Um, this is, I think, this is a big seminal episode. And I think before we get all get into it, we should all like really take a moment, step back and see what a nice big gift-wrapped present this must have been when it aired to Mary with Children fans. Yes. Like it's, a, it's a fan episode, isn't it? Like, this this episode was made for fans, for people who like this joke. Yes. Especially those who like Psycho Dad. I mean, because obviously Psycho Dad it was in single-digit number of episodes, but it's still pretty popular amongst fans of the show. Yeah, it's had songs written about it. When he comes in with that hat on, I just like, oh, <laughs> they created a hat. Like, they, this is for the fans. It's going to be as silly and nutso as it possibly can be, but they're, everyone's going to love it. Yeah, years ago, whenever I bought my um, uh, my Nomad t-shirt, it actually came with a Psycho Dad pin. <laughs> to... No way! Yeah. That's awesome! Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll post a picture of it. I'll oh, post a picture hat. of it in the comment section. <laughs> Please do. Beautiful. Uh. Our good friends at IMDb have the following for the storyline of this episode. Al launches his group No Ma'am in a protest outside a local TV station after Marty's group Fang gets No Ma'am's favourite TV show Psycho Dead cancelled. But in a blizzard, no one takes it notice. Meanwhile, Kelly and Blood try to convince Al to have them a thorough house party for their friends. Okay, Anonymous, you got so much wrong here. No Man was founded in the previous season and it was and uh, Fang isn't referred in the episode. Um, Marty mentions a women's group, but I'm pretty sure she doesn't refer to Fang. No, she doesn't. Yeah, I think we have to maybe stop using IMBD and just go with the uh, Mary with Children fandom uh, site uh, because they're starting to become very spotty with their plot summaries and their continuity connections. Yeah, I'll keep that in mind uh, for um, future ones. Uh, but yeah, sounds like a good idea to me, Tyler. Yep. So the episode begins with a, a little chemistry chemistry experiment. Opens with Bud with an eyedropper doing chemistry on uh, looks like a nice li- um, on food. Uh. Disodium quinulate. Diacetyl tartaric acid. I don't feel good about this, bud. I mean, I know we're mad at Dad for not letting us have a party and everything, but even he doesn't deserve this. This is cool and unusable punishment. Desperate times call for desperate measures, Kel. Now, just a little pyridoxine hydrochloride. And... Voila! Snack Mountain! Once Dad washes this down with tonight's episode of Psycho Dad, he'll say yes quicker than you do on a first date. Bud, disodium glutinate, diactyl tartaric acid. So, disodium granulate. Read it all, Matt. I want to hear it all. (laughs) Disodium granulate is a natural sodium salt with a flavor-enhancing nucleotide Guanacid <laughs> monophosphate or GMP. Disodium granulate is produced from dried seaweed and is often added to instant noodles, potato chips or crisps, and other snacks, savory rice, 
10 vegetables, cured meats, and packaged soup. Whereas, diactyl tartaric acid... We'll be right back on Cooking with Married with Children <laughs> after these messages. Now, hopefully binging with Babish to take, does the Married with Children. I've tried badgering him, but he hasn't done anything yet. <laughs> now, if you hear this binging with Babish, please do some Married with Children recipes. Going back to diactyl tartaric acid is an emulsifier primarily used in baking to strengthen the glutamine network in dough. It is added to crusty, crusty breads, such as rye, to impart a springy, chewy texture, as well as in the production of biscuits, coffee whiteners, salsa con queso, or cheese, ice cream, and salad dressings. I'm so hungry and bored <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> Had too much chocolate. <laughs> Not yet. Oh, that was plenty of time for you, you guys for that, that today. Uh, so a nice little chemistry experiment, cooking with the Bundys, which is pretty rare to see this much food in the house, especially with um, Kelly and Bud doing the preparation of it, uh, of this snack mountain. Well, it's to get cool and un- unusable punishment, uh, from Ke- as Kelly said, another what, what I call a Kelly Bunker moment, namely one of the Archie Bunker-esque malaprenisms. Would you eat that? Yeah, very, very common. <laughs> Yes. Oh, hang on. Oh, but there's more chemistry here. So Bud then says to add some pyroxidine, hydrochloride, and voila. Obviously, voila is not anything, a, a, um, a, any sort of chemical, but pyroxidine, also known as vitamin B6, is a, actually a specific type of vitamin B6, commonly found in food and as a dietary supplement. So... Foods such as breakfast cereal have pyroxidine added in some countries. I don't know about Australia, but some countries are pretty strict in this sort of thing. So, basically, this cruel, unusual punishment is basically adding more more um, preservatives and um, gluten ba- baking strength and vitamins to food. Mm. I don't know what sort of effect this would have happened on Al, but obviously Kelly and Bud seem to think it's going to um, make 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 them do something for them. <laughs> So, uh, listeners, if you didn't actually watch the episode, all that crap that Matt just read is all the words and stuff that the Kelly and Bud were using, and you're not seeing what they're doing. They're just putting their arms up and down, past below the screen. They're adding something, to, but basically all this crap boils together to make the most beautiful-looking dish of fake food I have ever seen. They don't usually do this, do they, Annabelle? Like, they don't usually have fake food. It's usually real food when it's on here. Yeah. yeah. Or, or they mock up a, a, a new prop and you just see the boxes. But, yeah, this is – or they are eating actual food. But this, yeah, this looks interesting. <laughs> it looks like a solid piece of plastic. <laughs> <laughs> it looks yeah, like I not eat it. It looks like a doll's uh, barbecue-like uh, plate blown up to you. <laughs> It's it's very it's it's so fake that it seems like a SNL sketch. I I, I don't know why I'm mad, but when I see that, it just I'm just like it's so oh, fake. It's obnoxious. Come huh? on. <laughs> yeah. It, yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh dear. But yeah, they're making all this. But yeah, Matt, they're making all this crazy food um, for a reason. And what what reasons that? Okay, so we've got Al's two favourite food groups, greasy and salty, <laughs> and um, his favourite show, Psycho Dad, Wild, Why Snack Mountain? So, Kelly and Bud can throw a party, which apparently, um, 
Well, they haven't been allowed to have a party since Kelly's 12, but we've got a continuity <laughs> error here because in Season 3, Episode 16, The House at Peg Lost, which I think was the first episode I ever saw back in 2007, Kelly said there was a pyjama party when she was 8 and the judge wanted to try her as an adult. Uh, but uh, that was when she was 8 and not 12. And also, I think they had a party in the an- when they did it with Anthrax. I mean, that counts as a party. That was a social gathering. Oh, of course. Um, that was yeah, a more formal occasion. I should have, I shouldn't have missed, missed, crossed my wires. Well, they just had some killers yeah. over. That's right. Exactly. Good music too. Yes, very good music. Very. I mean, and also notice Peggy's up early at five o'clock because you missed her afternoon nap. Five p.m. That is. Uh, she slept till five p.m. Uh, see, that's meant to mock her, but. That's aw yes, and it's awesome. They they use this to mock her, but I'm just like, man, she is living a good life. Oh yeah. Well, dude, the first thing I thought of is, is she slept till five p.m. That means she slept through Oprah, right? <laughs> Oprah, Doctor Phil, everybody <laughs> slept till five p.m. She's missing all of her shows. <laughs> well, she's got a VCR now. Yeah, that's she true. Them. Good point. Yeah, that's right. Because I stole the then Rhodes' VCR um, a few seasons back. <laughs> Uh, I assume they have whatever they need from the Jeffersons. Exactly. Yep, everything they need and more. Yeah, so Al, Al's pretty pumped, isn't he, when he when he walks in? Struts in, more likely. He's so happy. <laughs> hey, I mean, he calls Peggy the couch monster. Peggy wonders when Al's body was a seed from his armpits. Hi, bud. Hi, Kelly. Hi, Couch Monster. (laughs) Does anybody know what night it is? The night the rest of your body secedes from your armpits. (laughs) You know, Peg, how do you think of those and fight gravity at the same time? (laughs) Anyway, tonight there's a very special episode of the dad on. He caught his wife and the school marm teaching his son housework. But he's only got one cartridge left. What does he do? (laughs) What would any of us do? Dad... Did you, did you notice we made you some Psycho Dad Vittles? Yes, a veritable coronary copia of your favorites. <laughs> Sorry, but they were out of the uh, twice-fried gristle logs. <laughs> ah, you two are the best kids any father accidentally ever had. <laughs> now, come on, beat it. Psycho Dad's coming up. But yeah, Annabelle, you said it very well. He's so happy, and it's... Again, this is a fan episode, and I think everybody loves when Al gets to act like a little schoolboy. Teehee! Whether he's getting ready for to look at Biggins or to sit down and watch his kitty-type show, it, I just like seeing him happy. Yeah, it's, it's very cute, isn't it? And, uh, you know, you finally, oh, he's happy. He's finally got some good luck. But alas. Nice. Oh, so cute. So, okay. So, it's that time of the, it's that time of the night. Um time for Al's favorite show, Psycho Dad. Hang on. It's not on tonight. What's going on? Who who's in charge of the scheduling? Oh no. No, no, no. I just see what's been replaced with Barbara Walters interviews Barbara Streisand, Barbara Bush and then Streisand again. What? Oh, my mind is melting. No, no, no. When do we ask him about the party? Okay, as soon as Psycho Dad is over. Okay. And now, ladies and gentlemen, Psycho Dad! 
will not be seen tonight, so we may present the All Barbara Special. Stay tuned as Barbara Walters interviews Barbara Streisand, Barbara Bush, and then Barbara Streisand again. No psycho, Dad. How can this be? Peg, what moron is behind this? It's interesting you mentioned Barbara Bush before, and now she's being interviewed by Barbara Walters. On the old Barbara special. Barbara Wawa. Yes. So if we wanted to, like, uh, speed this up to... If, now, if we wanted to, like, move this to modern-day terms, that would be like finding out instead of... Oh, what's a, what's a big show that's out now? Um... Nothing. Uh, a Game of Thrones is not going to be aired. Um, instead, we've got oh, who is a good Barbara Walters replacement? Um, modern day. Uh, uh, Do you like Katie Couric or something like that? And she can interview Katie Segal. Yeah, Katie Couric and, and Katie. Katie Perry. Else. And, and, Kamal, and, then, and Kamala Harris. No, I was going to say Katie Perry. Katie Perry and Kamal and President. The first lady Kamala Harris. No, wait, that's not Kamala's. That's whoever Joe Biden's. Uh, Doctor Jill Biden. Yes. Doctor Joe. Wait. Oh, wait. She's a doctor. Yeah. She is. Oh, of education. I, I don't know the first lady of my own president. Oh, she's Thank awesome. You, she's really nice, and um, I've seen her on on Jeopardy a couple of times. <laughs> she just randomly walked out to to introduce a category or something, and she's just like really nice. Oh, nice! I will do my homework. And she was what? She, I think she was the first second lady when Biden was vice president. She was the first second lady to actually keep her day job as as a doctor while his hus while her husband was in office. I think she was the first one to do that, and she and I think she's kept up her day job now, unless she's retired. I don't know. Well, good for her. Maybe I just haven't like learned exactly who she was because I, I wasn't sure if he. It took a while before we figured out if that was going to be a president or not. But that's a different story. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah. But like, okay, yeah, like Doctor Biden and Katie Katie Segal or Katy Perry being interviewed by Katie Couric. Like, <laughs> you're not you're not going to put that on. <laughs> 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 I'm sorry. I love Psycho Dad, but that is a that if you're gonna have to cancel a show for something, that's one hell of a lineup for interviews. Yes. Um. So for those who don't know, this is the all Barbara um specials um participants. So we got Barbara Walters, who was born on the 25th of September 1929. She's an American broadcast journalist, author, and TV personality, very popular with the viewers and appeared as the host of um, numerous TV programs uh, and, no and known for inter interviewing um, finesse, including the, the American Today Show, 2020, The View, and the American ABC Evening News. She's since retired as a full-time hosting contributor, and she, but she would still con occasionally contribute to ABC News until 2015. Mega Streisand. Well, Mega Barbara Streisand was born on April 24, 1942, and of course she's a very popular American singer and actress and filmmaker. In a career spanning six decades, she has achieved success in multiple fields of entertainment and has been recognised with two Oscars, ten Grammys, including the Grammy Lifetime Achievement Award and the, and the Grammy Legend Award, five Emmy Awards, including one Daytime Emmy, a special Tony Award, an American Film Institute Award, 
a Kennedy Center Honors Prize, and four Peabody Awards, and the Presidential Medal of Freedom, and nine Golden Globes. She is among a small group of entertainers who have been honoured with the EGOT, the Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, and Tony. Though there were only three competitive awards, but that's a technicality. And she's one of the only two artists, artists in that group who have also won a Peabody. And she owns her own mall, I think. <laughs> and I don't Probably. mean that as a... I, no, no, I think she does, and I don't mean it as a joke. I, I'm, again, living the good life. I want to shop so much, so I'm just going to buy this mall, and I'm going to do my shopping over a lifetime. Just leave everything in there, leave the employees, they don't get to leave, and let me go. <laughs> it's amazing. So Barbara Bush was the first lady of the United States from 1989 to 1993 as wife of George H.W. Bush, who served as the 41st president of the United States. And she was the founder of the Barbara Bush Foundation for Family Literacy. She previously was the second lady of the U.S. from 1981 to 1989. Among her six children are George W. Bush, the 43rd president of the United States, and Jeb Bush, the 43rd governor of Florida. She and Abigail Adams are the only two women to be the wife of one U.S. president and the mother of another. And that's really creepy, <laughs> if, you, if you ask me. I don't know why, but it is. <laughs> I know, I know, like, we're that's veering dangerously close to incest. We won't let a non born uh, citizen become president, but we'll allow that. That seems <laughs> weird to me. And especially like, as you, you Americans seceded from a monarchy, and yet, yet have had, you've had the Adams family, you've had the Roosevelt family, and the Bush, you've had at least the Bush family, you've had at least three royal families, so to speak. Hey, what do you got against the Adams family? Oh, wait, you're talking about John Adams. You're not talking about <laughs> the Gomez. Adams family. It's like, dang! All the cr- all the t- all the shows you could have thrown under the bus, you chose a actually a really good one. <laughs> yeah, I love Gomez and Morticia. Just a side note. Hell, you guys seen that new remake, uh, the new movie? No, I want to, but I, not yet. I saw a like fifteen minute like. Uh, uh, I think it was like one of those Oscar things that leaked out on online and it was it looked really really good. I'm I'm thinking that might be a recommend. But, okay. Uh, awesome. There was a there was a um a TV show remake in the late 90s and I didn't see much of it cuz it just seemed a bit cringy to me. It might have been good, who knows, but I did see one episode because uh, a particular actor by the name of David Faustino was in that episode. And he got oh, to yeah. shake his booty. <laughs> so that's the only reason that I've seen that episode. It's a faithful remake of that, uh, the original, which is probably why you think it looked so corny, because they were being very faithful to a forgotten type of television creation. Yeah. But I think that's what the movie is actually basing off of. So. It's it's interesting. I don't know. Like there seems to be a lot of love and sincerity for the Adams family that I was not expecting when I saw these like remakes. So there's even a musical. 
I love it. It's so great. We need more positivity after 2020. <laughs> yes, we do. Uh, and so, all you listeners, I am actually a fan of the Adams family, so I, I wasn't being critical of them. Don't panic. And uh, for those who are interested, David Faustino appears in the 34th episode of the new Adams family called Close Encounters of the Adams Kind. He plays a character known as Greg. That was the first time I had seen him after Married with Children when, um, after he shaved off his beard. And I was like, oh, he looks so different, but uh, yay, he's still just, getting work. <laughs> so, oh, my God. The uh, Adams, yeah, if you're a guest on the Adams family, you were supposed to play a creepy family or something relation that was going to come up. Can you imagine getting your guest star-like script and be like, what's my name? Uh, Kookzilla or Crotchroach Man or Greg? <laughs> Aww. I'm the straight guy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that, that would be disappointing. <laughs> Do I get a cool wig at least? Oh, I'm bald. Okay. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know what? We're talking about good television, and you know who knows good television? Al Bundy. I know. That's cool. <laughs> Al? He does. He does, he does. So, uh... Well, in the midst of the horror of the um, All Barbara special, uh, a very happy um, piece of poultry walks in the front door. Um, Marcy is absolutely over the moon <laughs> and sings a hilarious parody of the Psycho Dad theme song. <laughs> show is done whose TV heroes on the run who'll be watching VH1 loser Al loser Al loser Marcy I don't think this is a very good time are you kidding this is a great time my women's group finally helped get psycho dad cancelled <laughs> cancelled you got it canceled? Indeed he do. <laughs> and now can we ask him? No. Why not? Show couldn't be more over. I did like that that entrance of Marcy's. She comes in with such determination and pride. And I think that's half the reason they use that shot for her opening credit shot in seasons 10 and 11. Yes, it's a good shot to pick. It's and one another thing I noticed is she name drops VH1. So apparently VH1 is for is for losers, or at least was in 1994. Tyler, Chris, anything any anything you'd add to that? Uh, it was the music video channel because I think at the Chris at this time MTV was veering more into making fun of music videos rather than actually showing music videos. If you wanted to like laugh and have entertainment that's mtv right right yeah it's kind of funny it's interesting how over the years how they've sort of switched i guess um in one respect you know music tv didn't even show any music videos anymore do they like <laughs> for a while only when beavis only when beavis and butthead are commenting about them See that that's yeah like it was MTV would license what they could get their hands on and rather than do long-term deals with with recording studios for the rights to premiere you know videos that were being created and shared and stuff VH1 I believe at least from my experience was really 
good at actually showing top music videos. It's almost impossible for any of our listeners who are, you know, younger than old man Matt right here to really realize what it was like before YouTube. I mean, if if you wanted to see a music video, unless you got to see it like a special on a talk show host or a uh, show or something, you had to pay extra money, premium money to see that unless you had VH1. And it was a chance that played all day long. Just sit, pad that on in the background. You're going to see something you like. A lot of crap you hate, but sometimes something you like. But I think they just said VH1 because of the MTV connection in the title. I bet there was like a, hey, MTV was said, so we should probably bring up VH1. Ah, uh, that, that makes sense. Um, I was just curious to see if that was the loser station, because I know MTV was known for, as we've already mentioned, Beavis and Butthead at this time, too. So Yeah, they were uh, create. Yeah, it's, it's hard to it's hard to even imagine or like remember life before YouTube, man. <laughs> YouTube is like I'm one of the biggest YouTubers around, man. I'll sit down. I'll sit. I'll sit down to pull up, you know, one like Power Rangers clip or something. And then like two hours later, I'm watching something on like the presidential election of 1960 or something <laughs> like I go down this huge rabbit hole and I'm watching all types of crazy stuff that have nothing to do with, you know, what I started watching two or three hours earlier. <laughs> it's amazing. The stuff you can find on YouTube. I was looking for the audio clip of the merry-go-round broke down, um, which is the background tune for the Looney Tunes. That thing. And it's an actual song. And I'm like, okay, YouTube, I need that actual song. Oh, crap. They've got 5,000 different versions all before 1920. Uh, I'm not kidding. Like phonograph, uh, beautifully remastered versions. And I actually spent like an hour listening to different versions and I couldn't find, I I completely forgot why I even went on there. So it was, uh, it's insane. The gold mine of, of music and videos. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's crazy. This stuff. Stuff you'll buy. I I sent Matt I send Matt and Annabelle all, stuff all the time. <laughs> yeah. All right, but yeah, can I actually bring something up? Sorry, I keep jumping in. Like uh, this really stuck in my head. Here is usually when Marcy is the problem with something that Al likes or something that Al or the family is into, and then Marcy is instrumental in getting it destroyed. Yes, she may love when it if negatively affects the Bundys. But rarely do her mechanisms or machinations, there we go, and usually do her machinations never really like are aimed at hurting the Bundy family. Uh, she it's usually based in something that her her or her extension, her women's group, already feel quite fondly about. This one, they she may say violence on television, but. The way it's played, it, it made it look like she actively went to destroy this thing that Al hates, which I, I she's capable of doing that, but it kind of just rung false in my mind. I don't know why. Like it just like you that usually that would be retaliation, Marcy, not like scheming Marcy to hit him out of the, out of nowhere. You know what I'm talking about? 
yeah, I, I, I just wanted to bring that up as like, it, it kind of bothered me. And I think that's why we had to have this big discussion at the beginning, uh, putting into framework this whole violence on television thing, because if that wasn't happening, that that is the reason to kickstart the whole episode. Like, if that stuff wasn't happening, wasn't in the news, they must have come up with a better uh, thing because it seemed kind of lazy to not give Marcy more of a reason, specifically her reasons for hating Psycho Dad. Because I never thought of Psycho Dad as violent in the way that you would be critical of violent. Like, it seems so silly to consider something like Psycho Dad. It would be like saying, oh, uh, Gunsmoke, let's get that off the air because they're outlaws. But it's like, right, you know what I'm talking about? It's like, it's from like the 40s. That's what it sounds like. He's watching Gunsmoke. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Usually they don't mess around with uh, main characters' uh, wills and desires in the way they, they did with Marcy. This is just a personal opinion. Yeah. Well, they have Marcy explicitly say Psycho Dad was the most violent program on TV. So they have a sort of exposit all these things. Um, it's, you know, uh, yeah, it's exactly what you said. I can't really add, add that much to it. Yeah. I just got here that it, it apparently had 84 killings an hour. So <laughs> it sounds like a half hour show, but um, 84 killings an hour. Maxi wonder what on earth was it rated? It sounds like a TV 14 or TV MA show. Well, I'm just sitting here wondering, I mean, just from a mathematical standpoint, <laughs> 84 killings in a in an episode. I mean, what the hell else does it show other than him walking around shooting people? <laughs> that must that must be the entire episode, just him walking around frame to frame shooting people. Did you know that they portrayed an average of 84 killings per one hour show? <laughs> well, a man's got to reload. <laughs> My point, earwig. <laughs> is that violence on TV desensitizes people. Well, so does marriage, and they haven't canceled that yet. <laughs> Despite all my letters, and I don't want to hear any of that politically correct rooster poop, <laughs> the television is the cause of all our problems. People don't act a certain way just because it's on TV. You know, that's true. Al watches a lot of sex on HBO. <laughs> And Peg watches a lot of Models, Inc. M. Night Shyamalan's The Psycho Dad. <laughs> I mean, is there even any talking, or is it just him walking around shooting people? <laughs> yeah, like, I think that's 84 killings in, what, one hour-long episode? That's uh, a roughly one and a half kills per minute. <laughs> And that's assuming a full 60 minutes uh, and not 40, not 42 minutes because it would be obviously 42 minutes because obviously accounting for commercials. No, he's killing people on commercials too. <laughs> <laughs> so he kills people <laughs> off camera. He, oh man, he they, like string ups those uh, Charmin bears, <laughs> skins them. Oh, he skins them. He's wearing their hats with the bear skin caps of the Charmin bears on the next episode. <laughs> Uh, and meanwhile, Kelly is, thinks it's a good idea to ask Al about the party. Uh, no, 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 no. Uh, the show just got cancelled. <laughs> and Al is going on about how apparently marriage des desensitizes people in in a rebuttal to um, Marcy saying violence desensitizes 
TV violence desensitizes people, and then Pe- Peg slanders um uh, our watches a lot of um sex and HBO. <laughs> funnily enough, <laughs> oh, where do you get HBO? I don't know. Al, you're too skint to get it properly. And then apparently, according to Al, Peg watches a lot of Models Inc. For those who don't know, Models Inc., American primetime soap opera, that was on the Fox TV network during this the same TV season this episode is from, 94-95. The third series in the Beverly Hills 90210 franchise around a L.A. model agency run by Hilary Michaels, played by Linda Gray. The mother of Melrose Place is Amanda Woodward, played by Heather Locklear. So, third in that franchise, and the only one not to be released on DVD to date, considering it was a one-season flop, um, I can probably see why. (laughs) Now I have to watch it, because I'm currently watching Beverly Hills 90210 and Melrose Place simultaneously. One episode. Melrose Place was great. It's way... (laughs) You know what, Annabelle? I agree, but you kind of have to balance out the sexy adult grossness with some of the corny, uh, you know, not so sexy, but getting there, like high school level uh, things that are happening with Beverly Hills. Yeah. It's a nice pairing. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. And I can see why Models Inc. didn't work. I mean, I do remember it airing here, albeit very briefly, but I only saw a little bit of it. But, yeah, I don't actually remember a whole lot. Not that there's much to remember. You know, there's there's probably some oh, listener out there that's bothered that Matt called it a one-season flop. They're probably listening thinking, man, I loved Models, Inc. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I burnt my own DVD of the, all the episodes that I got off of uTorrent. Yes! No, yeah. no, no, I uploaded it to uTorrent. <laughs> <laughs> I created Shout Factory for this, you jerk. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dearie me. But, oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. Uh, yes. If I can get all the TJ Hooker, somebody can find <laughs> Models Inc. <laughs> yeah, so nice bit of um, TV banter here between in the Bundy household. So today, Psycho Dad. Tomorrow, Marcy's willing to destroy everything men enjoy, and Kelly still wants to ask Al about the party. Bud describes it as being a pod from the planet Bimbo. Is, is there any more of her, though? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Away from Commie c- Bimbo from the, from the pilot, now she's on planet Bimbo. <laughs> oh, yeah, they're going up in the world, or in the universe. <laughs> oh, yeah, wasn't there a reference to... DuckTales? Donald Duck. Ah. Glad you asked, because... Okay, so... Uh, oh, hang on. So Griff and Bob Rooney are not pleased. Bob Rooney, on a side note, um, doesn't quite get how TV works. He thinks it works by the individual sets and doesn't seem to realise how networks and transmitters <laughs> work. But that's Bob Rooney for you all. That was funny, but that, <laughs> that was dumb. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, wait. they Don't they do it that way, though? Sorry. Oh, the magic is oh, gone. Sorry. sorry had, to, had to be a bubble, Tyler. So I'm so sorry. Wait, 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 wait. Does that mean... Oh, so so they're just actors, too. It's not really all actually happening. No, oh, Al Bundy God. sadly isn't a real oh. person. I hate to say that. <gasps> <laughs> hmm. Dang, so, I, so I have a shot with Katie Seagal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Kurt Suter, get out of my way. <laughs> so Peg, Peggy says, Stand back, kids. Huey, Dewey, and Ewey are here. Hey, Al, what gives? <laughs> yes, 
did they take off Psycho Dad on your TV too? <laughs> hey. Mmm, hey. <laughs> ranch style. Stand back, kids. Huey, Dewey, and Ewey are here. Men, listen up. They've canceled Psycho Dad. What? Yes! And you know who's behind it? Women? No! Marcy Darcy Chicken at Large. Now, Huey, Dewey, and Ewey are, of course, a reference to Huey, Dewey, and Louie. Um, the three triplet um, duck ducks from the um, duck TV show DuckTales. The, so the characters themselves were created in 1937 by writer Ted Osborne and ca cartoonist Al Taliaferro, owned by the Walt Disney Company. So Huey, Dewey, and Louie are Donald Duck's nephews and the great-nephews of Scrooge McDuck. Like, um, like, their like their uncles, the boys are an an anthropomorphic um, white ducks with, with um, yellow bills, yellow-orange bills and the feet, and typically wear shirts and colourful caps, sometimes used to distinguish them from, from one each other. And they made several animated appearances over the years, Co but, but they started in comics and they remain in comics to this day. The, and they're also the 11th most published comic book characters in the, in the world, outside of the superhero genre, second only to Donald. And uh, my, people my age, or a bit older, would remember them primarily from the 1987 animated show, DuckTales. DuckTales! And people younger than you can... Yeah, people younger than you and older than you can also know of them from the recently just aired reboot, which is really good. You can find it on Disney+. Plus. Uh, they do a great, great job capturing what made that... Uh, the 1980s one so good and uh the comics which are all available online i found them very very easily are incredible the ones that were made in the 30s uh, they are just so well drawn the characters are so great because I have so many years of listening to Dial Duck's voice, I can just put them in my head when I read these word bubbles. If you're not, if you're not a big fan of comic books, or you're just not at that into that superhero-y kind of stuff, but you want to try dipping your toe into comics and you like Ducktales, get your hands on awesome. those. They're really good. The true story. I'm not even making this up, but the first movie I ever saw in my life at, at you know going at, at the movie theater was Ducktales. The uh, the movie uh, I was about Lost Lamp. Yeah, I, I was about five years old, I guess, six years old maybe, about five and a half. But yeah, you saw the, that the in theaters, movie. Chris. Yeah, wow. that is awesome. I did not get to see that. My parents would not bring me to any cartoon movie until I was old enough to be allowed to go in by myself because they didn't <laughs> sit through them. <laughs> and, wow. Uh, but I, but. Uh, but that was a clamshell movie uh, in my house, if you if you know what I mean. That was a staple of my household. I loved that. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I always had dreams of uh, you, you. You do you remember uh, remember in the beginning, uh, uh, like the in, during the Ducktales? Remember the intro where uh, Scrooge McDuck would dive off into that big uh, yes. pit of money. <laughs> I always had, I like, I dream of doing that. I still dream of yes. doing that. <laughs> Which you were, I just actually watched that Lost Lamp um, movie two days ago. And, and um, they rob you of that, Chris. They, 
Scrooge never dives into his money pit. He gets so close to it at the end, but he stops in midair because Dijon's stealing everything and he chases him out. I don't get a money dive. Oh, man. You never see it. Oh, it was so... Oh, rage, rage. I'm angry. (laughs) Should be. It's terrible. So, uh, Al Griffin, Bob Rooney, um, uh, against... um, well, they need the plot of revenge against Marcy Darcy, Chicken at Large. They want their psycho dead back, and they want her back right now. But what do they do? Well, hang on. I don't think real men r- r- write letters, do they? No, 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 no. Yeah, real men do not write letters. What can we do? We can write letters. Well, real men don't write letters. <laughs> they do to penthouse. <laughs> they got letters in penthouse? <laughs> Of course they have letters in penthouse. <laughs> so you have something to do right after. <laughs> right after you, you finish reading the interviews. They got interviews in penthouse? All right, come on, everyone, think. We're men. Let's use the power of our giant manly brains. <laughs> they do the penthouse. <laughs> yeah. There are letters in penthouse? Bud admits he reads penthouse in front of Peg and Kelly. Well, he needs something to do right after... Well. <laughs> <laughs> there are articles in penthouse? <laughs> Has anybody ever written a letter to penthouse? Uh, no. Oh, I'm, on the, I'm the only one? Hey, uh... Something I put in my notes here. Does anyone think it's weird how, um... Some episodes, uh, you know, like I guess the Married with Children uh, staple magazine is Biggins, uh, but some episodes they talk about Playboy and in others they talk about Penthouse. I wonder if that has something to do with like uh, like a rights issue or like a, no, like permission to use the name or whatever, or if that's just something they like to bounce around. Hey, today we're going to mention Playboy. Hey, today we're going to mention Penthouse uh, or Biggins. See, Chris, you start off getting going with playboy then you finish with biggins and then you smoke a cigarette and read the penthouse (laughs) ah okay okay that that... you can cut this out if if that's gonna get us an e rating for (laughs) (laughs) but chris you asked (laughs) well thanks for the answer i think the i think that explains it that settles it it might have something to do with defamation or copyright you know if they're going to say something bad about penthouse per se they probably wouldn't use penthouse but they well in this instance anyway they have to use a magazine that people have heard of maybe it's when they have to show it maybe because biggins is when they show it playboy i don't think they ever actually show the playboy well they have shown penthouse but way back in season two if you remember when bud came out of the basement and he had a penthouse tucked in the back of his pants that's right yeah but penthouse is will always flat out say we are not a pornographic magazine we are a what's that stupid line they use like we're not not all of our stories are sexy stories they are stories of intimacy and uh personal uh, stuff and everything like that it just happens to be you have to be over 18 to get it like it's it's um uh they i i don't think they would be upset about them being mentioned no i don't think they would, no, they would have liked the publicity did they not show uh any playboy magazines in the episode where uh peg throws al's playboys away uh 
or she she's just the brandy brandt cover. yeah yeah, what, yeah, yeah. You, you they you see the magazines but i'm personally thinking of the episode that me and uh steven just did uh with a special guest i'm not going to mention it right now but uh they they show him picking up a biggins and you zoom in and it says biggins on there and shows a woman with uh <clears throat> um biggins um and uh they don't do i don't think they would do that with playboy so oh, okay i just thought it was kind of weird how like you know married with children establishes that like Biggins is kind of the 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 magazine of the show, but occasionally they'll uh, but occasionally they'll talk about Playboy and occasionally they'll talk about uh, Penthouse and and they even talk about Hustler uh, from well, time to no time too. No answer for Hustler. It's just kind of weird how they'll <laughs> yeah. It's just weird how they'll bounce around sometimes, you know. But I guess it's just kind of whatever mood it's in, and then you know, of course, if they're going to say something. Um, negative about it they i guess they don't want to actually say playboy or Play the penthouse, uh, penthouse yeah. i think playboy was um sort of earlier on as well because uh back in 1989 i think for example playboy did uh, a really good article on married with children so there's probably some relationship there as well probably Ooh, that, yeah that's true. i totally good forgot point. about that you're right Wait, Playboy has articles? What are you talking about? <laughs> they have some decent articles. <laughs> I mean, I, I've, I've, I've heard. I've heard. Yeah, I've heard. <laughs> I, I only look for the art. That's the only reason I read Playboy is for the articles. I mean, no other reason at all. Annabelle, if you could send me the actual uh, issue, I'm sure you know this because you're amazing. Uh, which uh, issue was the Mary with Children article in Playboy? Because at one point I knew it and I was bidding on it on eBay and some jackass in oklahoma wasn't steven guys don't worry got me got it off of me at the last bit oh i was mad i was gonna frame that guy and just make it part of my married with children uh collection well the text for the article is online but there's no picture no i want the whole magazine i want that whole issue (laughs) yeah so i I don't even have the issue but i did find it on ebay but i didn't buy it because the shipping to australia is just astronomical these days but the issue you're after is july 1990 july 1990 awesome i i'll, I'll just according to bundyology and i'll send you the the link to that right now Ooh, thank you it's gonna be a fun night uh, for for mary with children yes. uh, research <laughs> send, send that yes send that to me too annabelle sure. send it to me as well please yeah <laughs> okay I'll send it to the group. Awesome. Yeah. Brilliant. Annabelle is what you get when you and uh, podcast with three dudes, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not my first radio. I'll send uh, Annabelle, I'll send you the <laughs> issue with uh Bert with Bert Reynolds on a bearskin rug. Huh? <laughs> I've seen that picture. <laughs> Do you see it from the back? <laughs> That's in the back cover. Uh, no. <laughs> Just turn the magazine upside down. It it it's like a two way. <laughs> I believe Sharon Stone is on the cover of the July nineteen ninety issue. So for people out there who want to track it down, look for Sharon Stone. Oh, I love eBay. God bless it. Okay. Yeah. So Huey, Dewey, and Ewey, I mean Al, Griff, and Bob Rooney, so they're brainstorming ways to, let's see, actually, you know, get Psycho then back on. Uh, well, they're not going to write a letter, and but they're sort of thinking, for, frozen for quite a few hours, uh, it's, their bra- it's their brains, until Peg does a bit of this. 
opens up a tin of beer, and uh, they suddenly they decide to pick at the station. Of course. I got it. <laughs> we'll pick at the TV stations. Once the word gets out, our fellow men will come from every part of the country. Men, gather the troops. This will be the biggest demonstration Chicago has ever had. Yeah. I mean, yeah, very organic. Uh, it's 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 pretty lazy, but uh, but I'll get I'll, I can see where they're going, and I want them to get to it. So I'm fine with them taking this. Like, all right, we're gonna go pick it right now. <laughs> yes. And uh, so we so we cut to the um outside of the um of the TV channel, which I believe is the WHBZ. Um, it's a fictional TV channel, but I did look it up, and it is actually the call sign of a real radio station in Sheboygan Falls, Wisconsin. Hmm, could be could be Wanker County for all I know. But anyway, so it's a real radio station, but um, <laughs> it's a fictional TV show. We let's assume it's the local, it's a fictional Fox affiliates for where the Bundys live. Yeah, I could, was so surprised it didn't just flat out say Fox, where they were picking it out in front of. That would have been so edgy. That would have been so meta <laughs> uh, if they had done that. They're like, let's pick at that station. That w- Well, Al, what disgusting station do we have to do that? The worst kind. And then, boom, still shot a fox as it pans out, and they're picking it in front of it. <laughs> yeah, so it's a bit of a... It's not very lively protest. Uh, oh, it's a, just a smidgen cold, isn't it? Um, 13 degrees outside, or for those in Celsius, you, you Celsius, minus 10 degrees. Bring back the feeling in my feet. <laughs> All right, take a two-minute break. How long have we been here? Counting the break? Two and a half minutes. <laughs> See, that's why you guys are so cold and so hot all the time. Like, you guys, you're using that Celsius thing. Like, just if you go to Fahrenheit, it's not too bad. And then when it gets hot, then go to Celsius. (laughs) That's how I do it. That's a good idea. Okay, that's smart. So, our summers are going to be 44 degrees Fahrenheit. Ew, no. Yuck. Ew. Ew, no. That's so much yeah, like better put summers. your sweatshirt on now. <laughs> it says forty-four, and I'm, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! Hey, did you guys notice all the signs that the Nomad guys are holding up? I did notice one bit in particular. There's another reference to John three sixteen, which was obviously a big part of the Nomad episode. Yeah, I'm just wondering why Jefferson was the one holding it because it's just it's just a random sight joke. Uh, maybe in case Marcy sees him on TV. Ah, uh, <laughs> there you go. He'd be like, hey, "See, honey, I wasn't holding a sign for that violent television program. I was holding a, a Bible verse." <laughs> yeah, he may as well have been wearing his yes, ma'am shirt. Well, he probably was underneath his um, warm weather clothing. <laughs> I don't know why Jefferson is holding it. I think it's. If you do a picket line like this or have characters holding up signs in any show or movie, they you have to see a John 
3.16, which is from the Bible, and it's from the book of John, and it, quote, is, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And Psycho Dad. Nope, 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 nope. Take that out. That's that's not part of it. But yeah, like that. You see this at Red Sox games. You see this in concerts. You see it at polls and uh, preliminary debating rounds. And you see it in picketings and stuff. It's. Uh, I think people have forgotten what it is. I think it's just like read your Bible. And yeah, I. I it's very weird, <laughs> but it has to be there. We yeah we did discuss it. Um, Tyler, you were on the episode with us when we did the first No Man episode. We discussed it a lot then. So if uh, if anyone wants to find out more, you can go back and listen to our first episode together. Tyler. Well, well, if you know me, you know my favorite three sixteen is Austin three sixteen. <laughs> if we have any wrestling fans out there, they'll know that's Austin three sixteen says I just kicked your ass. <laughs> any of you three watch wrestling by chance? Nope. 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 No, uh, well, there, there was a there was a wrestler named Stone Cold Steve Austin, and uh, he was well, one of the, he, yeah. yeah he was one of the biggest wrestlers. Actually, he was the biggest wrestler during the Attitude Era, oh. and um, he kind of the night where he had his first big breakout, he said that famous quote I just said. He said, um, "You can read your bio, you can thump your Bibles, read your Bibles, do whatever you want." Uh, you're John 3.16, but remember, Austin 3.16 says, I just whooped your ass. And the next night on Monday Night Raw, there was dozens of, of signs out in the audience, of audience members holding signs that says Austin 3.16. <laughs> oh, my so the God. WWF, wait, wait, what year was this? Uh, 1997, 98, somewhere around there. I'll, oh. I'll post the uh, the video down in the comment oh section. But God. The, the WWF. The WWF realized they were onto something, and by within a week, they had shirts out uh, with Stone Cold Steve Austin's image uh, that said Austin 316, and that became one of his biggest. Oh my God! Uh, well, he had a lot of really big catchphrases, but that came, became one of his big uh, early catchphrases. So I'll, I'll post the clip down in the comments section. You'll like it, Chris. That might be the actual catch- origin. Sorry, Annabelle, I totally didn't mean to cut you off, but that might be the actual originator of why this stuff pops up on baseball games because i think people are now bible biblical literacy in america is not so good and i honestly think people are just like oh john 316 in modern terms means kick your ass or like which is which is probably be pretty good for a baseball game or something probably oh, yeah wow actually it was a little bit earlier it was a little bit earlier. So I was gonna say it was a little bit earlier than what I thought. It was uh, it was 1996 when he uh, when he said this. Uh, even better, Stone Cold Steve Austin changing the Bible. Nice, <laughs> nice indeed. I was just gonna say that uh, the whole thing just sounds like that motto just sounds like something the Bundys would very much get behind. Oh, the Bible or kick your kick your ass, kick your ass, uh, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, I I, I kind of want I just want to hear Ed O'Neill as Al Bundy read that passage and like quote it perfectly and then end it with, or as we say in the Bundy household, "Let's rock," yeah, and just like close the book, the Bible <laughs> right there. <laughs> oh, that'd be great. That'd be awesome. 
Um, but uh, yeah, John three sixteen, and uh, there were were I didn't were there any other good sign gags? Oh, that was the only one that stood out. The rest are all you know. Save Psycho we Dad. We want Psycho Dad. Bring back Psycho Dad. Bring back. Hot and yeah, honk if you love Psycho Dad. Release the <laughs> Snyder Cut. I mean, I want Psycho Dad. Bring back the feeling in my feet. You know what? They're doing what the Snyder fans did, and they got their cut, and uh, Al will get Psycho Dad back. So you know what? You want something back? You want that, that DVD of uh, Models, Inc.? Get out there and just start <laughs> protesting. Yes, do it. The guys do protest two and a half minutes. Jefferson becomes annoyed. Uh, Al calls the rest of them ladies, and he sa- and he goes on about how Americans have always Americans effect was fa- founded on the power of protest. Boy, you don't know anything about America, do you? Well, we know that its landscape will be littered with frozen dead guys if we don't get the hell out of here. <laughs> <laughs> For your information, ladies, <laughs> this country was founded on the power of protest. From the Boston Tea Party to the March of Dimes, <laughs> the strong and the brave have always stood up to make their voices heard. Well, Al Bundy, too, will make his voice heard. I will stand. I will fight. I will... Uh, please, here comes the cops. From the Boston Tea Party, the 1773 protest about um, taxes imposed by Britain when they threw tea into Boston Harbour, how dare they waste all that good tea, to the March of Dimes. There's no real connection, really, but our communal and obviously, you know, twist things for his own gain. March of Dimes, of course, being a non-profit organisation in the US, working to improve the health of mothers and their babies. Founded by President Franklin D. Roosevelt in 1938 as a National Foundation for Infantile Paralysis to combat polio. And March of Dimes, that name, was coined by the actor, comedian, dancer and singer-songwriter Eddie Cantor. FDR himself was an adult victim of polio. So, no no connection between Boston Tea Party and March of Dimes other, other than, well, tax and money. And even then, that's a very faint connection, Al. Um, you, you, well, mind you, he flunked school. <laughs> yeah, it's just a random pairing of... <laughs> whatever Al thinks the protest is. Well, <laughs> see, the Boston Tea Party, they dressed up as indigenous peoples and threw tea into the harbor. March of Dimes, they pick up dimes and huck them at indigenous people to make them go back. I, uh. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, they hurl it at the polio. <laughs> yeah. We'll make you like us and throw dimes at you until it happens. Yeah. <laughs> I had a good joke that had to do with the March of Dimes being people throwing dimes at people. I, but I for, I, I, it kind of unraveled. But that's a good image. Just people walking down, hucking dimes at people. <laughs> Especially women, you know. It's a <laughs> Why are they so small? And throw them. <laughs> They're worth more than a nickel. Why are they smaller than a nickel? <laughs> it doesn't make sense. Uh, even Budge wants to protest by now. Um, oh, so he can get his party. But he's caught out as an infidel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, you're, you're in it to win it when you're on these protests. <laughs> yeah, and I believe I believe it's Ike who catches him and then throws him over a, um, a ledge of snow. <laughs> Bring back Psycho Dad! Let your kids have a party! Bring back Psycho Dad! Let your kids have a party! Bring back Psycho Dad! 
Legend of Arms, Ike. Eject the infidel. Hey, Al, I've got an idea. Bob Rooney's got a heated garage. Yeah, and he's got the profile of a manatee, too. What's your point? <laughs> we could protest there and be warm. Sergeant at Arms, Ike. Yes, that's right. Sergeant at Arms, Ike. Then you see cross the bud, the picket bud line. dummy. <laughs> yeah, you don't oh, cross yeah, the man. picket line. I love line. the dummies. <laughs> the picket line crosses you. So I always like when I use the um, body dummies. And yes, not the first time we've seen the dummy of Bud, but it's used to good effect here. That scene when Bud joins in just emphasizes just how short he is <laughs> next to all those guys. Yeah, yeah, definitely does. Sometimes you forget uh, just how short he really is, but you can really see it there. Yeah. Yeah, it's adorable. Yeah. It helps that all of Al's friends are big fat guys just lumbering around. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Definitely got dad bods, that's for sure. Including Officer Dan. Ah, uh, yes. Officer Dan. Uh, so Officer Dan walks up and uh, notices Al apparently up to no good. Um, he's like, well. <laughs> it's like, what is it this time? <laughs> And uh, Officer Dan's family are nice and warm. Jefferson blames Al for pulling him out in this 13-degree weather. But then Al mentions, obviously, they're protesting to get Psycho Dad back on. And then Officer Dan's all, Psycho Dad? They took off Psycho Dad? And so he joins and becomes a full member of No Ma'am. Perfect. Perfect decision. What a wonderful, wonderful thing that they should have done sooner. Like, Officer Dan is awesome. He's an awesome side character. And to have him linked with Al, because you can tell through this whole episode, he still has immense amount of contempt for Al. But toxic masculinity uh, camaraderie overrides traditional disgust. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's all I can think about it. (laughs) Yeah, I love Officer Dan. He's awesome. He's awesome. I like the actor too, Dan Tullis, and um, I think I've mentioned this before, but he's also a beautiful singer, and there's a clip I uploaded of him singing Old Man River from Showboat on my YouTube channel, and it's worth checking out. Yeah, I saw that. Wow. That's really I had no good. idea he could sing. That's pretty cool. That's awesome. Yeah, he sings. If he sings as well as he fires his gun in public, like, uh, out of a window, <laughs> it, it's so <laughs> Yeah, so uh, just for you listeners, um, we uh, that you will hear more about the bit, bit of that in part part two of this episode. But um, back to part one, uh, the winds have increased twenty miles an hour, and I just couldn't help couldn't help but notice that thinking about moving the protest to Bob Rooney's garage. Uh, only how do you have a protest in someone's garage, especially in an era before we could upload a protest to the internet? Uh, you do a beer sit-in. Mm, true. <laughs> but again, this is Bob Rooney um, uh, we're talking about. Uh... It's, it's, B, it's BYOB. Yes. Yeah, BYOB for sure. <laughs> and, uh, oh, so 20 mile an hour wind. Oh, hang on. Who's reporting on this protest? Uh, oh, happens to me, um, Miranda Veracruz de la Hoya Cardinal, um, who's not happy to be reporting this, especially as she's originally from somewhere on the equator. Na- oh, named after the equator, namely Ecuador. Now let's see, it's 40 degrees below zero with 20 mile an hour winds. Who do we send outside today? One of our many Aryan anchormen or the woman from a country named after the equator? You're on. Hi, this is Miranda Veracruz de la Hoya Cardinal. And we are 
here live outside the studios of WHBZ, where some sort of pro-violence demonstration was supposed to be held. But the only evidence we could find is a crumpled copy of Penthouse Magazine and the name Al mysteriously written in the snow. So once again, it seems the joke's on me. <laughs> this is Miranda Veracruz de la Hoya Cardinal saying, I'd have that anchor job by now if I had just slept with Peter Jennings instead of Andy Rooney. I was about to say, no, Matt, that's Ecuador, not Equator. that's how it got its name it's near the ecuador i mean the equator yeah wow they do they are similar i'm sorry man that's all right (laughs) so amongst in in her in her report on this um protest she mentions peter jennings and andy rooney peter jennings who, born 29th of July 1938, passed away 7th of August 2005, was a Canadian-American journalist who served as his sole anchor of ABC World News Tonight between 1983 and his passing 2005 from lung cancer. He dropped out of high school, but then he became one of American TV's most prominent journalists. As for Andy Rooney, born on the 14th of January 1919 and passing away on the 4th of November 2011, he was an American radio and television writer who was best known for his weekly broadcast, A Few Minutes with Andy Rooney, part of the CBS news program 60 Minutes between 1978 and his passing in 2011. His final regular appearance aired on October the 2nd, um, 2011, just literally a month before he passed away. There you have that. Uh... And, uh, ooh, so, so, the, so uh, uh, the only evidence from this report was, um, Al's name written in the snow, and I think you, I think you know, know what he, what, what was written in there. Mysteriously written, yes. Yeah, oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, we don't need to, I think we can all figure out what that means. If you don't, you haven't watched enough TV. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, he used the coffee from his thermos, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I, I know we promised no more Simpsons, but there's a great, great Simpsons gag where they use that coffee thing. It's Chief Wiggum writing his name in the snow, and he's like, wait, what are you doing there, Chief? Eh, just write my name in the snow. Eh, do me a favor there, Lou. Uh, give it a little squeeze there. Squeeze out the last drops for me. And he reaches down, okay, and goes, and then <laughs> Chief Wiggum moves out his way and goes, Ah, it's awful waste of coffee here, Chief. And he's shaking the coffee out of a thermos. <laughs> I think about that anytime I see someone or even hear someone talk about like writing their name in the snow, and I'm just I just immediately go, it's awful lot of waste of good coffee. Okay. <laughs> I gotta do that sometime in my life. A bucket list item: write my name in the snow. Wait, with the coffee or the traditional way? Uh, well. Well, you know, with with the coffee, of course. You've no, never the, done no, the that, traditional Chris? way. Well, no, I mean we don't. I mean we get snow like once every ten years in Houston, so as I haven't really had very many opportunities. Open <laughs> up your freezer and pissing that. <laughs> <laughs> but no, honey, I my no, Rich ser- left you a message. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, I want to do that. I got to add that to, in as a bucket list item. Yeah, sometime when I'm. You know, up north. <laughs> and it's easy when you have a name like Chris or Matt. Uh, right. Tyler, I could 
I can sometimes not make it all the way to the R. Annabelle, you'd be out of luck. That's a lot of ends. Uh, in, in, in more ways than one, yes. <laughs> yeah, a, you know what? It's not impossible, but it is tricky. Yes. YouTube, it's out there. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. We're doing a good job not letting any of the little kids who might be listening to this know what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll ask your parents, kids. Yeah, ask your parents or your friends at school, maybe, because some of them will know. Yeah. And ask them who who Andy Rooney is or, or Peter Jennings or, or Rush Limbaugh. <laughs> oh, Rush Limbaugh. Yeah, like, I don't know who Andy Rooney is until you mentioned him matt like um but peter jennings i know quite well my mom watched the peter jennings news report show every single night and i thought it was so adorable because he would always end with and i'm peter jennings good night and she would always say good night peter as the credits went on it was super sad in our house when he passed away Yeah. yeah Aww. Yeah, so when you, every time I hear Peter Jennings, I just want to go, good night, Peter. Like, it's just such a nice, sweet memory. <laughs> yeah. So uh, just... Rush Limbaugh, we just told him to F off. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He did not get a good Fair night, enough. Rush. <laughs> and if, and he can even out, he, can, he can also outrun Al's Dodge. <laughs> and not anymore, because... Uh, yeah, did, unfortunately, we don't. This does not happen too often in the Marywood Children podcast. But uh, if we had, to, if we had like a, a sad, a sad but true, Rush Limbaugh did pass away uh, just last year, uh, February seventeenth of. Oh wait, no, this Early year. This year. This year. Yeah, I mean this year. I'm sorry. Yeah, February seventeenth, twenty twenty one. Ugh. Uh, it kind of it kind of makes any any anything I want to say about Rush Limbaugh in bad taste. So I think we just gotta skip that. Well, you can still say it. Yeah. I mean, Rush Limbaugh, <laughs> he's he's no angel. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, he didn't. Wasn't he the one who kept making fun of AIDS victims and and mocking them when they would die? Yes, that's him. What would you say if I told you that Bud and I got Psycho Dad back on the air? You got Psycho Dad back on the air? You better not be kidding her. You're going to have to outrun the Dodge. <laughs> Rush Limbaugh can outrun the Dodge. Well, we got another thing I hear. It's this new big attack on the American psyche. This big new disease called, here, let me hear it, folks, AIDS. That's capital A, capital I, capital D, capital S. Um, know it, because guess what? It's everywhere. Can you believe it, folks? Everywhere. Oh, God. Like, it's nails in my... And it, like nails on a chalkboard, and, but I will give him one little thing, just as a uh, honorific to his memory. As somebody who is now doing podcasting, I am ab, and I am going to give him credit. It is quite difficult to do what he did for twenty years, two and a half to three hours a day of nonstop. There were no commercials in his thing of nonstop, just him continuous high energy recordings. I don't like any of the th- stuff he was recording, but that is some, uh, that's some stamina to be able to pull that off. Oh yeah. Yeah. He had, he was on the, he could speed dial. He 
flat out said it on his show. I think uh, like he's like I have like he had speed dials on his phone of like tons of senators and congressmen and judges. Like he wielded a lot of influential power, and I don't want. It's probably not a good thing to say. It's a good thing that he's dead, but. I'm not going to say it's not. <laughs> mm. But yeah, Rush, he was a Twitter troll. Listen to any of his radio stuff. It's literally someone creating Twitter threads for of hate. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Twitter is oh. a dumpster fire. Yeah. Oh. But Twitter is organic. This is one man uh, uh, with his outlet. Rep- and, and here's the thing. When it's a Twitter thread, Annabelle, even like uh, Gen Z people will be like, I mean, well, it's Twitter. Come on. Rush Limbaugh had the uh, appeal of being reputable news. And that's so sad. (laughs) Oh, and his haters, too. Like, I've hate listened to his show before. I've turned it on because there are times where I'm like, I want to get really pissed off right now. I want to yell at somebody. And I do this now with Twitter, which is a more somber and quiet thing because I'm sitting there and reading. In my car, listening to Rush, I'm like, you, blah, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I will yell back at him, and he can't, and he can hear me. I know he can. <laughs> <laughs> Even now. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. yeah. I think the, yeah, I was going to say, I think the joke in in, in Married Children's Time back in 94 is that he was really, really fat, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they could. <laughs> there was yes. Okay, when you brought up he was fat, Annabelle, like that totally did remind. He did like in the later part of his radio show, he tried to do like a vlog part of it, like he would videotape it, and he kept. No one who'd watch it could ever unhear it on his radio things again because he was so fat that he had to keep, he was sweating so much. So he had to keep wiping uh, his brow and stuff because his like face would get all sweaty and it would get near the mic. And you could hear it on the radio thing. Like anywhere he's like, and then the president would be all the, all the, and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> he's just, oh, yep. That rush is uh, swabbing the poop deck right now. Yeah, <laughs> swabbing oh. the sweat stains. <laughs> uh, yeah, just munching on, that, on, on that grilled image. cheese uh, all day long. Ugh. Yeah, so the whole Rush Limbaugh comment came came from um out back in the Bundy house where Al is fr- basically freezing from protesting in the in the cold. The thermometer coming up dead. Oh, by the way, Kelly looks pretty smoking in a scarf. Oh yeah. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. you got psychedelic back on the air? Oh, you, you better not be kidding, though. What would you say if I told you that Bud and I got Psycho Dad back on the air? You got Psycho Dad back on the air? You better not be kidding, or you're going to have to outrun the Dodge. <laughs> Rush Limbaugh can outrun the Dodge. Yeah, so Bud tells him to close his eyes, cause then they put in the videotape <laughs> of Saved by the Bell, the prison years. Oh. <laughs> There's still a few minutes left of Saved by the Bell, the prison years. Oh. <laughs> and now, 
the return of your favorite Western, Psycho Dad. <laughs> well, shut my mouth and call me Mary. That is Psycho Dad. That is Psycho Dad. Uh-oh. What, what's wrong? Ah, it's just my stinking luck. It's a rerun. <laughs> Rerun? Yeah, yeah, I recognize this episode. This is the part where he's gonna shoot his wife, she ducks, and he accidentally kills President Lincoln instead. <laughs> Damn women. Oh, that's no problem. I'll just fast for the tape to the part you don't remember. Dad, we only did this to make you happy. Yeah, it wasn't to trick you into letting us have a party or that nifty vomit thing or anything. <laughs> I knew it was too good to be true. So can we have a party? Be gone, children of the corn. I was just going to say, it's a pity that Alex isn't on here anymore. <laughs> you can see he loves Saved by the Bell, doesn't he? He does, oh, he does. Yeah. So it goes Saved by the Bell, Saved by the Bell, the college years, Saved by the Bell, the prison years, and then, then it's the wonder years? <laughs> or was the one... <laughs> Nothing by now, by now it would be saved by the bell. Oh, great. I'm a grandfather. Or saved by the bell. Uh, uh, almost a time years. They did do a reboot recently, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. saved by the bell. What the fuck happened years? <laughs> <All right. laughs> Sorry about oh, the F bomb. <laughs> I'd watch that. I would too. <laughs> And I do wonder how on earth Kelly knows the French language, because she says, well, like they say in France, commerce, comédie, correct is commerce, commerce, meaning never good nor bad, so, so, tolerable, passable, indifferent. I don't know how on earth Kelly knows French of all languages, especially since her dad um, doesn't like the French, yet he somehow speaks it occasionally. This being said, um... I mean, going to the other side of the Atlantic, there are, there are a few British people. I mean, Uncle Stuart, Auntie Jane, if you ever listen to this, um, I know you two aren't the fondest of the French, but you've still been in the, in, there on holiday an awful lot. Well, yeah, yeah. the answer, Matt, is uh, how we have... Well, Chris, you'll back me up on this. Uh, the answer from America is, it's the French. Who cares? Way to go, VCR minus. <laughs> Like they say in France, come see, come dee. <laughs> we hear some of the things she says on a weekly basis. Like, how, how the hell does she know two languages? Or how does she know another language? <laughs> uh, oh, man. Like, she thinks she's speaking English, but it's just really good French. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I doubt that she <laughs> yeah. knows that it's French. I don't think she would know that that's French. And it's probably just something she's heard. And she probably thought the come see part was the letter C. Yeah. So she's gone, come C, come D. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if there's one thing Kelly knows, it's 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 come see. Come see me. Or <laughs> like, of course. Uh, there's a, I, I went with the come PG rating of the, uh, <laughs> the version that I could have <laughs> made with that joke. <laughs> you, were, you were quoting um, Mae West, weren't you? Come up and see me. Come up and see me sometime, yes. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Oh. By the way, come up and see me sometime. That that phrase I know so well from a Tom and Jerry short where Tom buys this a- animatronic wind-up uh, slut mouse, 
and uh, it's like a mouse with a skirt on and everything and like a winky face and he twists <laughs> it up and she, it starts dancing around going, come up and see me sometime. Come up and see me sometime. Well, it's oh like twisting. Goodness. It's like uh, hips and everything and uh, a Jerry you puts like a bomb in it and blows Tom up with it, but it's supposed to like <laughs> attract a mouse and kill it while it's enamored. And I had no idea until I was watching the show Maud and they were doing a burlesque episode and I and you heard something like, Why don't you come up and see me sometime? Well, I will come up and see you. In fact I may have I'll see all of you. And I was like, wait a second come up and see me sometime means come up and screw me sometime. Oh, it's a pass. That's gross for a Tom and Jerry thing. Like it, it just, oh, it, I do. It, it's definitely a joke for the adults. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but why is it in all my cartoons? Okay. Like, <laughs> why was it everything I watched? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> all the violence. How about all these like, you know, perverted mice? And stuff. Let's get on that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think Al references Tom and Jerry in part two, doesn't he? I think he does. Oh, yeah, yeah, I think he does. Mm. Well, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. We will. We will. Uh, yes. Uh, so back, I guess we're back at home. Uh, so to put on, put it on the ta- tape. Uh, well, Al doesn't know it's a tape. And uh, oh no, no, no. Um, Al actually recognizes the episode. So. Yep, 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 yep. It's a re, it's a rerun. Al could tell. I can, oh, I can tell when Married to Children episodes a rerun too. But the only problem is that Kelly lets it slip and it's a recording. Mm. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Which results in Al calling Kelly and Bud children of the corn, and his whole family figments of Stephen King's imagination. Psycho Dad. Sure is an interesting sounding show. I mean, this is, Al recognises the episode as the one where he's going to shoot his wife, but she ducks and he accidentally kills President Lincoln instead. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like Doctor Who. That's so weird. Oh, man. Oh, Doctor Who visiting Mary with children. That, oh, that would be, that that would be so many things I would love. I would just go into like a diabetic shock. Yes. <laughs> oh man, but um, uh, yeah, like the rerun. If there's any time I need an argument to tell me like you did the right thing for cutting cable, it's when I hear the word rerun. How dare a network force me to watch an episode again? I make that decision with my streaming service now. It was so bad when a rerun popped on. When you thought you were going to get a new one, and then it's just like, oh. Oh, yeah, I saw this one already. Yes. You're like, way to go, VCR minus. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, VCR minus. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Thanks a bleeding <laughs> lot. Instead of VCR Plus, which is obviously an old um, video machine programming setting. Oh. Yeah, that's a good point. Did, I had the weird remote that uh, you it had like two analog clocks on it, um, a start analog clock that you could twist it to, and a stop one, and then you point the remote, like set it on something where it's aimed at your VCR, and when the time clicks, it'll turn your re- your recorder on. Cool. 
Yeah, I know, dude. Like, <laughs> I was like, wow, I know what this is, and just me explaining it sounds weird to myself. Like, it, it, it's like this was a thing at one point. <laughs> well, I be, oh, I be indeed. Uh, yes, and I couldn't help but notice that the Bundys now have a Sony TV, which looks like it was pretty recently made at the time. Well, they would have got a new TV at the end of season eight when Kelly went on the game show. Of course, of course, silly. How could I forget that so soon after I w- watched that? Um, yes, of <laughs> course. They won that one after the old one um blew up. I still want to know what happened to that car that Peggy won. So you know, I don't trust this TV winning stuff. But at least they actually held held up to that somewhat. Yes, I've got to give them credit for that, especially the other continuity errors in this show. Yes, a rare. A rare good piece of continuity there. Yes. And so the TV's now on, and uh, so Al has not written a letter, because that's not for that's for ladies, but he went to see the newspaper, cut out letters, and glued them, and made a letter that way. And then signed it, probably. <laughs> yeah, he probably signed it, or I don't know, maybe he signed it by cutting out letters with his name and putting them on there. Yeah, because that's, that's not suspicious at all, right? No, 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 <laughs> you know, no. There's a, th- everything borrows from everything because everything. This episode reminded me of so many things that I've watched in the past few days. I've also rewatched the Fantastic Mr. Fox, uh, also a really great Wes Anderson movie, and where they they're doing like a hostage deal with uh, two groups of people are doing like a hostage deal with each other, and these farmers cut out bits of paper like from magazines and paste their thing signed giving their demands signed the farmers and when they're reading it george clooney's the fox goes why'd they cut out little pieces of paper in here and his friend is like well he probably wants to be named they probably want to remain anonymous they look at each other and go oh wait then why did they sign it and also we know who they are. We were just talking to them earlier. Yeah. <laughs> I just love it. He's like, why did they... S-? And then Fox sends them a note back doing the same format. And the farmer's like, why did he cut out little bits of paper to write his message? And his assistant goes, I don't know, but didn't you do that, sir? And he goes, I'm going to kill this fox. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, just, yeah, like it's a. I often wonder that too. Why would you do it that way? Oh, to remain anonymous. So to sign it afterwards is just. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's 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 pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah, oh, but a uh, exciting climax to a awesome part one. Indeed, indeed. Uh, when they're watching the interview of the actor who plays Psycho Dad, and they worship him like Psycho Dad is a real person. Turn on the TV. Psycho Dad's on. Yeah, and my wife and kids are just figments of Stephen King's imagination. <laughs> no, really, it's on the news. He's holding a press conference. He is. He is. I knew he wouldn't take this lying down. Hey, I bet he got my letter. You wrote Psycho Dad a letter? Well, not actually a letter, but I cut out some letters from the newspaper and <laughs> taped it in, you know. <laughs> like the way Psycho Dad did when he kidnapped the circuit judge so there couldn't be no wedding. <laughs> <laughs> episode. I knew the Seichster wouldn't let his biggest fans down. Sure, the cancellation was a shock. I felt hurt. I'd been rejected. 
I thought, well, nobody cares anymore about a simple saga of a guy run amok in the Old West. Man's a freaking poet. <laughs> and while I was at my lowest, this letter arrived. Maybe that's my letter. <laughs> it came postage due. Ow, well, <laughs> the letter is spelt... Dear, dear Psycho Dad, S-Y-K-O, because there are no P's or H's in USA today. Oh, I didn't even catch that. <laughs> there you go. Um, my brain did not even catch that spelling on there. I think I just saw it as Psycho Dad and my brain changed it. No, no, Al did not spell it correctly with the newspaper letters. And he also, in true Al fashion, sent the letter postage due. Hey guys, I don't know what version. Uh, uh, do you guys have the version of the I don't uh, the Married with Children where you you bought the individual season, or do y'all have the one big box? Big set? box. Uh, I've got both because I I've got okay. neither. So Annabelle, I'm poor. <laughs> <laughs> so so Annabelle, if you have the individual seasons, you know it inside the cover of season uh, nine. It actually has. Uh, the letter that Al writes to Psycho Dad in cutout letters. Did you ever notice that? Oh, I probably did at the time, but it's been a few years since I looked at it. So that's uh, what I'm going to do I'll as soon as we're done. Yeah, Chris, yeah, is that, do that. you said that's the box set or that's the individuals? Uh, It'd be the, the individual ones. Yeah. yeah, so it's like season nine. Oh, uh, nice. Let me find it here. You oh, know what? It's, it, on the, mil- the, the original Sony release. It would be a lot more money, but... I think I might act, end up buying the individual seasons just to have that that collection. The box sets are cute and all, but I think those original DVDs got a lot more like cool covers, like art and stuff on the inside. They do. Yeah, they yeah, do. Yeah, they, they do, do something more, yeah. to compensate for the theme music. I'm not going to get started on that. <laughs> <laughs> We've covered that plenty of times before, as we all know in this <laughs> podcast between all of us. <laughs> But what I did like is um, the the actor playing Psycho Dad himself, Andrew Prine. Now, he, I don't know how famous he is in America, and he's not really a well-known name here, but he is known for doing a lot of Western-type dramas. And not I, I, that's not my genre, so I haven't really seen him in much, but I have seen him in The Miracle Worker. He played Helen Keller's brother in that way back in the 60s. So he's he's a legitimate actor and of with with some gravitas, and um, I just like that they cast an actor like him to play Psycho Dad. Yeah, Andrew Prine, right? You says yeah. name was yeah. Yep, that's yeah. the one. And yep, still alive, uh, living well at uh, Jennings, Florida. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm looking through his filmography here and. With the exception of a couple weird uh, 70s horror movies, um, yeah, big Western guy. And uh, there's a huge oeuvre of American like television, Western dramas and action stuff. Uh, there's a really good show that's getting a resurgence on HBO, I'm hoping. Uh, it's called FBI Law. Or no, no, I'm sorry, just... Uh, F, uh, FBI, just FBI period. And it's kind of like a law and order, but with from the FBI, but from the 50s. Okay. Yeah. And huh. yeah. it's awesome. <laughs> nice. I'll keep that in mind. Yeah. This guy's got a lot of credits, including what I'm looking at now a Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman episode. 
So he's he's oh, done no, it all. As Dr. Quinn. They're bathing at the river. They're bathing in the river. <laughs> I've never seen a minute of Dr. Quinn. Neither have I. <laughs> you haven't missed much. Um, <laughs> uh, oh, have you? I don't know. Um uh you know what? Now I have to now I have to watch it. Uh oh, he played uh Dr. Richard Kimbrell's uh brother Ray in uh the first season episode of The Fugitive. Huh. Oh, oh yeah. That's cool. Cool. Yeah, I love The Fugitive. Oh man. This is making me Oh man, there's so much more I want to watch now. This this is my favorite part of the podcast is hearing all this stuff that I need to watch. Like <laughs> Yeah. That and he- hearing references that I've never heard before, or whatever. And then I go look them up. I'm like, ah, oh, that's why that. Oh, that's why that was said that way, or you know, something like yeah. that. Or like the 19 yes. or the 1968 American Western film Bandoliero. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> James Stewart, Dean Martin, George Kennedy, Raquel Welch, and if you guys don't know who Raquel Welch is, uh, that would be if you ever saw the movie Shawshank Redemption. Kel Welch is the uh, pretty babe, one of the pretty babe uh, posters up on Andy Dufresne's wall. Oh, well, she's ah, one I of the cool. most beautiful women in the world. So yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's one of my one of my favorite movies. Through Very a good. rock right through her. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, but uh, the uh, you know what, Annabelle, you say the western isn't your genre. Um, I would check some of them out. Uh, it, as you get as you get a little older, uh, and go back to some of these uh, to the traditional Western ones, the ones made in America. Um, there's a corny, cute kind of thing that they all share, and it's kind of endearing. It's kind of nice to be transported into this fun, mystical world that's been like shrouded in myth from from the American culture. Okay. Yeah, I, I think that's true. Like, the older I get, because I, I like older shows anyway, and um, I'm definitely more of a TV person than a movie person, but yes, as I get older, I want to watch more and more older things, including movies. And I did watch Hondo <laughs> a little while ago, and, you know, there's a couple of John Wayne movies that I've seen, like The Searchers, you know, the good ones, and... and um, like his good movies and things like that but you know i've seen some it's just not my thing as i say but yeah certainly i'll have more and more time to watch some eventually but yeah i mean i do look forward to your review you've seen shenandoah right i have yes a long time ago oh i watched it specifically for that episode i was on one of the earliest ones back when uh al alex himself was still doing it and when Al watches Al in the show, watches Shenandoah, and his family comes in, he starts crying. I can't believe that stupid film actually made me burst into tears. Like Jim, Jimmy Stewart just got me. He just got me when he was saying goodbye to his kids' graves, like and holding the baby. I'm just like, I'm like, I felt the tears coming. I was just like, oh God, no, don't. Now I get why Al was crying when he saw his family. He's like, oh, my God, I actually do love you. I don't hate all of you so much. I just... <laughs> Peg, why didn't you get shot by bandits? <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of 
movie and TV babes, Al also asks what Barbara Eden looks like naked. Oh, I and I knew. that's yet another Barbara. She's like a thousand. Come on. She's like a thousand. We're not talking about her now. <laughs> Hi, my name is Al. I'm just a regular Joe. Sure, I scored four touchdowns in a game once. <laughs> That's not the point. The point is, I like you, Psycho Dad. I really, really like you. No, not in that way. So please don't let them take you off. I beg you, fight this thing like you would fight a varmint or an ex-wife. Your friend, Al. P.S. What does Barbara Eden look like naked? Yeah, I'm sure, like, you know what, bro? I'm sure, like, Raquel Welch now doesn't look that great. So, let <laughs> um, see. Barbara Eden. You know what? Well, she she pretty much looks the same, but just older. You and know she's what, Al? This year. I'm wondering, too. Like, I'm looking at her now, and you know what? Kind of curious. <laughs> mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Oh man, we should all like go to the next like Barbara Eden like uh, award show, and when she comes up, and as it's getting quiet from the applause, one of the no mans goes, "This is no ma'am. Take it off. <laughs> we want to know." <laughs> well, she's not a thousand yet, but she's about what is she? Uh, she's eighty nine. She's almost ninety. Show us what the odometer shows. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, Janie. <laughs> Can they really tighten everything with plastic surgery? Do it. No. <laughs> uh, oh, but poor Miss Eden. I hope she never hears this episode. And don't you dare leave any of this in. <laughs> I will add one more thing about Barbara Eden. Uh, I've I've I saw her speak at the Supernova a few years back here in Perth. Oh, cool. So I didn't get a photo of her, sadly, but um, I did enjoy I did enjoy her panel. She was very interesting to to hear hear to listen to. I did see her on it. Yeah, she actually does sound like a very sweet woman. I saw she her was. on a YouTube. Uh, uh, I think it was like a Good Morning America thing where uh, she was celebrating her, like eighty seventh birthday, and she did the nose winkle from I Dream of Jeannie, and I was like, oh, she still got it. she was in a movie in 1996 called dead man's island and it's one of those i think it was a tv movie (laughs) you have probably heard of it let alone seen it but dead man's island it's got it's one of those tv movies with an impressive cast i say impressive it's got barbara eden william shatner roddy mcdowell tracy lords and david faustino oh my god is he? Huh. Wait, I know what David Bassino played. He's the he's the titular dead man, isn't he? Uh, no, he's not actually. But um, I won't spoil it for you in case you watch it. But... Dead Man's Island. It's a TV movie from 1996. You say it's called Dead Man's Island. Yes. I love me a good TV old TV movie. They're the best. Ah, oh, thank you very much, Annabelle. Got so many. I got Playboys to look up. Add it I to got your list. Dream of Genies <laughs> to like uh, <laughs> to see on islands. Yeah, I was just looking up. I Dream of Genie. It ran from sixty-five to seventy. 
it's funny because I remember watching, I guess the show was well into syndication when I was born because I remember watching uh, reruns of this when I was a kid. I remember thinking it was a pretty funny show as a kid, but I mean, I haven't watched it now in like 25 years. But yeah, I'm going to add that to my list of stuff to watch. I know. <laughs> now that you know for sure what the master's like first obvious wish was, Genie. <laughs> I yeah. wish to know. Right? <laughs> Well, she must have started pretty young because she was in, in an episode of I Love Lucy and she was sort of, you know, the gorgeous woman who walks in. She, she must have been like 19 at the time, but she was the one that all the husbands were drooling over. Oh, yeah. Ricky, But why? she was a fish. <laughs> it's like, yes, I'll dance with you. And <laughs> yeah, See, well, yeah, um, she was born 1931. Um, I Love Lucy... I uh, see. I think her performance in that, because I have seen her in I Love Lucy. I've watched way more Lucy than than Jeannie. Um, yeah, same. She was in the. Uh, uh, she was. She would have been later on. Oh yeah, it was the. Um, oh yeah, she she embarrassed uh, herself on that show on that episode. I think. <laughs> Personally, yeah. she's all like, "Hi." And one of those yeah, types. and then Lucy punches yeah. her in the face. Oh yeah, oh yeah, nineteen fifty six. So yeah, ni- oh you don't want to mess with Lucille oh, yeah. Ball so she- like with her show. She'll she'll cut you. She will. Oh yeah. <laughs> Just put an image in my head of them. Fighting. <laughs> so do I. <laughs> Uh, uh, back up. Oh yeah, bitch. she was twenty five uh, when she was guest oh, on I Love Lucy. Wow! Wow! Time flies. It sure it? does. I know. All right, and yeah. Oh boy, now I'm feeling. Pr- How old are you feeling now, Matt? Uh, a bit older than my actual age of thirty. <laughs> yeah, I. You know what? You should have felt young. That's why me and Chris were talking about VH1 and. MTV and uh, him going to see the Donald Duck movie in theaters when you were just a wee lass, like oh yes. <laughs> uh, wait, wait. Well, I'm older than all of you. Yeah, wait, wee lass. Much, but... that, that's Scottish. Wait, wait. Yeah. What's a wee lass version of Australian? Uh, little koala. Oh, a little, uh, a little tacker or a little tacker, little um... skippy. Uh... Little Tacker sounds like something yeah. like Little Pisser, like a Yiddish. Like, <laughs> that sounds like a mean oh. thing to say to a kid. Get over here, you <laughs> little, little Tacker. Yeah. You young lad. <laughs> young lad. Yeah, very much a young lad still at heart, yes. Little Koala. <laughs> <laughs> koala. <laughs> koala, as Kelly said. Uh, So we've got a bit of bad news from this interview here. Unfortunately, Psycho Dad is quitting, apologising and renouncing his character, which, if you ask me, rings an awful lot of bells from today's TV culture. Ladies and gentlemen, this letter has made clear to me that if Psycho Dad elicits this kind of response from the public, there's only one thing I can do. Fight, Fight! Fight! Quit. What? What? Yes, quit. Quit, apologize, and renounce forever the character of Psycho Dad. If this is the kind of following that I inspire, then I'm afraid I must stop leading. However, since the network's offering me big bucks, be sure to watch me in my new show, Lefkowitz, Special Education Teacher's Aid. (laughs) Thanks. 
Thank you. Uh, and to you, Al, goodbye and uh, get help. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, it does. It really does. And you know what? Yeah. That makes perfect sense because no one would ever let a poor actor say, you know what? I just don't really want to do this. Like, no one's just going to let Carl from The Walking Dead go to school and be his own person. They're going to send him tons and tons of hate mail and yeah. write a spear campaign <laughs> and a Kickstarter to show how much he needs to be in the show. You don't have a life. We own you. It's, I don't know. There's there's a level of toxicity there that hasn't been explored enough that, you know what? Sometimes things need to end. They do. <laughs> yeah. They just, they just gotta end. That's why I get, I get upset when they're like, and it's coming back. Does it really have to? Hmm. The only one, Mary with Children. That's the only one I want. Mary with Grandchildren. And I don't even want Mary with Children to be back. I want Mary with Grandchildren. I want a continuation, not a... Uh, uh, I want a new thing, not a continuation. One day. We live in hope. We do, we do. But, uh... I mean, Ed, o Ed O'Neill, on, on the chat I had with him a few weeks ago, he, did, he was asked that question about reboots. And he says that some TV shows still had things to say, but Married with Children did not. So I think his feeling is never say never. However, we don't particularly have anything to say at the moment. So I, ha I, I choose to be the optometrist and just have <laughs> a little glimmer of hope there. Yeah, right. so yeah, he basically same, yeah. leaning to the idea that it, if it was to come back, it would have to be because the cre there should be something, there should be a reason for it, not just because people want it back, not because the fans just want it all to be back. Yeah, not just pure fan service. I mean, if it's if it came back and it sucked ass, um, it would be like, why did they bring it back? It's horrible. Ugh. Yeah. But if they brought it back and with, you know, with Michael Moyer doing it and, you know, all the original writers or whatever and had a really good idea and they just did, you know, one or two episodes or a really good special or even a TV movie. They call it Married with Grandchildren. It writes itself almost. But if the jokes are on fire and the storyline's great and everyone's back, then it'll be fine. Oh, my God. The Waltons did something like that. Um, I did a whole like watch of the Waltons a couple of years ago, and the box set that I got had a, uh, a special, um, a movie, a TV movie they did like five, six years ago or so after the uh, show's end, and it was just a central uh, story. They did it weird. They did it as a story that happened in between the last two seasons of the show because um, a character was still alive in there and a character that they had casted, that they had recasted, the original character was back for this, <laughs> but it was filmed later. So he looked older. It was a little creepy, but it was a hour and a half long kind of movie, like the Walton's Christmas or something like that. And I skipped it. It I didn't need it. It was corny. But I could imagine the glee and happiness of all these Walton fans going, <gasps> John Boy! For one night, I my <laughs> show is coming back. 
Oh, reruns, right, Mount? No. No, a whole new thing. Like, new cast members, right? <gasps> no. No, they're all back. Like, it's... it. Give me that once with Marywood Children. I know you don't want to do it, Ed O'Neill, but you can do one 30-minute special. You, Katie, all of them, Christina, David, come back. Amanda, uh, Ted. Yeah, like, exactly. Uh, yeah, Ted McGinty, what the heck are you doing right now? Nothing, that's what. Come on. It's, it's just, <laughs> just... Yeah, I, I totally, I would be all for it uh, 100% as long as it's done well. And and even if it's just a, a one time, you know, a a, a one a one episode special or a uh, an eight episode mini series, you know, eight episode one season mini series, that type of thing, I'd be all for it. And there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, avenues it could go. You know, the married with grandchildren. You know, the 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 idea of the plot that I read was that um, the show centered around Bud's character. Him and Kelly live in in the the Bundy house. With their spouses and children. That's so creepy, and, uh, but that would work. And pet and pet <laughs> and Al and Peg have moved to a retirement home, and uh, you could totally make it work with um, with today's, with, you know, with what's going on in the world today. I mean, Al in the original series, you know, always was trying to come up with shoe ideas to to get get rich quick schemes involving shoes. Well, he could do a shoe podcast in the year twenty twenty one. And he could actually, you know, Dr. Shoe could do a shoe podcast yeah. and he could actually make that work. <laughs> and uh, Marcy, and they could incorporate Marcy, Jefferson, and Steve, too. You know, Marcy and Jefferson could still be together. And Steve could be like, I don't know, like an Uber and Lyft driver or something in the area, always trying to get back with Marcy. You yeah. know? And, and you <laughs> could, could bring totally, in the... They could totally make it work. And bring in the kids, uh, Kelly and Bud's kids. Uh, Bud's kids. That means he... Yeah, right. No woman procreated with him. <laughs> uh, oh, that's not very nice. Hey, hey, Bud, hey, Bud could be married to, uh, to Amber. Yeah, I was about to say Amber. <laughs> Bud and Amber could okay, be together. Yeah, here's the thing. I'm not saying it's not possible for Bud to be a baby daddy, but it, I see it very unlikely, Annabelle, back me up on this, I see it very unlikely that a woman would claim him to be like, you know what, <laughs> I'm going to go with the guy I slept with last night, not him, even though it's his. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> Man, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know that that's my one regret from my, from my interview with Juliette Tablock. That's my one uh, regret not asking her if she would be down for uh, a reboot if they called her. I think I know her answer would be no, but <laughs> I should have asked that. But yeah, uh, but yeah, but I mean, yeah, like, um, but it, it could totally. But Kelly work. and Bud, as Gen X kids, they would be parents of millennials, uh, much like our age. So they would be all pretty much, of course, still living with their parents, or you know, not with or don't haven't finished college yet, uh, or buttoned down by the. Uh, the debt and maybe just maybe because of kelly's age and the fact that she probably had a kid young uh her kid might also have a gen z kid i'm just saying like that could work Ooh. Mm -hmm. uh, and we'd have and, and uh, uh, i'm yeah. picturing marcy's kids I, I you know what i could see i could see marcy and jefferson having two kids one boy one girl and the girl being like a feminist vegan, <laughs> who's like a social, like a social justice warrior, and and the and the son being just like Jefferson, being like a lazy, 
<laughs> prissy little guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> that makes fun of his sister behind her back. <laughs> <laughs> but it's getting stiff of her when they're in the same work? room. <laughs> I, yeah. I would say definitely do that, but flip the genders. I want the girl to be more like Jefferson and the boy to be more like Marcy. Oh, oh that's yeah, a that great would work. That's a Mary that with work. Children's gender joke that can work pretty well right there. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you guys watched The Connors or watched Roseanne when it got rebooted, but Darlene is still living in her parents' house with her children. So Perfect it, commentary. And so is Becky. Yeah. 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 So it's it still happens and, like, the show is getting really depressing um, with all their money troubles and whatever, but it's starting to uh, look up a little bit. And it's just ironic because Katie Seagal's on that show now as well. Yeah, I mean, the, the Connor household is always uh, a very – weird incestual house like there's a time where uh <laughs> uh i think it was one of their boy it wasn't a boyfriend who was it some guy somebody David? not no, no no this wasn't one of the cast members it was a it was a one-off there dan said uh, uh he is not living here and roseanne's like yeah sorry you gotta be sleeping with one of his daughters to be able oh, to yeah. live in this house <laughs> <laughs> you have to actively be sleepy with one of his daughters to to be a guest in this house or something like that. <laughs> it's like yeah yeah just the okay. they had to acknowledge okay. it that like dan's like you you are letting your daughter's boyfriends like sleep in the same house yeah yeah uh <laughs> Yeah. Okay, Dan. I'm not going to go any further then. <laughs> I got well. Yeah, Roseanne says something similar to that when Darlene and David find out they're going to have a baby, and this is when Roseanne and Dan's kid, youngest son, was about a year old. <laughs> <laughs> so Roseanne's like, "Check it out. You know, you know, our daughter is going to have a child not much younger than our own child." And she's going to marry the boy that we consider to be our son. Because they took in David as to look after him because his mother was so awful. So just yeah. hear the banjo picking <laughs> like, in the background. Self-aware <laughs> white trash. <laughs> <laughs> I think Roseanne would know. Roseanne doesn't say that. I think Dan says all that stuff. Or somebody says it to them and just Roseanne goes, <laughs> oh man, it might be time for a Roseanne rewatch. Oh, that would be some comfort food during COVID. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think this, dude, this was a strong, strong, strong episode. And it would have definitely had me hungry for the next, for part two. Yes, because after Psycho Dad announces uh, he's going on to be Lefkowitz special at age and tells Al to goodbye and to get help. <laughs> Al is not going to surrender. Oh, they're not going to the nudie bar. No, 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 no. They're not going to that place of liberty and freedom of expression. Al and no, ma'am, are going to the capital. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and to you, Al, goodbye and uh, get help. <laughs> and they're going to storm the Capitol building. Like, oh, <laughs> that's so weird to think about. <laughs> Like a bunch of yeah, a bunch of alpha male rednecks bursting into the Senate hall to, to make their demands. Yeah, that that doesn't sound like anything. Yeah. Well, stay except tuned, that actually happened in real life. <laughs> I mean, yeah, <laughs> the scary thing. It just 
I was like, I just love that Married with Children is like, it's absolutely ludicrous that this would happen, right, guys? That's why we're doing it. Yeah, right. They went all out. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, they're going to DC. We're gonna go right to. I. <laughs> I, uh, I'm not going to be on the next one, but I do want to say right now, one of my favorite, like, I laughed because I could see the joke, the line being set up, and it made me laugh before she even finished saying it. They're marching forward, and uh, they were, Peggy's like, Al, do you really think these lawmakers are going to take time from the day to talk about psychodad? <laughs> <laughs> I don't. It just made me laugh so much because she's like, "El, what the heck is wrong with you?" (laughs) No, ma'am. We'll be right back to wrap up this week's review. Be sure to join their Facebook group page for all the podcast news and updates. Be sure to subscribe to them on the Apple Podcast app. And please leave a review telling them what you think of the show. To subscribe to their YouTube channel, just go to Channels and search up Married with Children Podcast. Join their Patreon and support your favorite podcast with a small monthly donation. You can email them at marriedwchildrenpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for checking out this review. That concludes our review of "I Want My Psycho Dad" Part One. So, but before before we cut before we take close things here in the down on the nudie bar, um, okay, Chris, uh, how many Barbaras are you going to interview for this week's episode? Well, I like this episode. I've always liked it. I've always thought it's really funny. Uh, I think we've said uh, several times during the podcast that this is a uh, this is a fan episode. You know, it's a fan service episode. It has a lot of um. To, to me, this is an episode where you just turn your brain off and enjoy the spectacle. <laughs> Don't take it too seriously. Just enjoy the ride. Uh, but I really like it, and I'm going to give it four and a half episode. Four and a half Barbara. No, no, Barbara's. <laughs> four and a half Barbara's. Excuse me. I'm going to go four and a half Barbara's. Thank you, thank you very much, Chris. So, uh, Tyler, how many are you? How many Barbaras are you interviewing? I'll see. Uh, this was this was a little trickier than I thought. Um, I'm going to echo what Chris said. Uh, obviously, this episode does have the fan service quality, but not blatant fan service. It, it seemed to be sincere. Like this is a gift from Mary with children to the people who love us. Um, and that's how I chose to view it. So it's going to be strong on that merit. I did have some problems, technical problems. I like the, 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 the shaky setup, um, of why Marcy is doing this. Um, the fact that the show was using a current political thing that's happening, which that, that that's for the Simpsons to do. It's not really for Mary with children to be doing coming in on actual modern day politics if i was watching mary with children back then i'd be watching that to get away from stuff like this that's just me personally um but i do like all the psycho dad stuff i like all the picketing i like uh the strong how like how all the family is being utilized 
um, that Kelly and Bud have their backs own backstory that was so not really well planned out that we barely even touched on it, but it's still there. So, and it's a great prelude. It's a good part one. Part ones are always hard to do it, and I'm gonna go with was a success because it makes me want part two. So, I'm going to interview. I can't believe I'm saying this. I'm going to interview five barbers for this. Thank you for that, Tyler. Um, that's impressive. Um, high pra- high praise. Uh, well, good good analysis, uh, both of you. Now, Annabelle, how many barbers are you interviewing for this week's episode? Well, before we discussed it today, I'm not going to lie. My rating was going to be a little bit lower. But seeing, what am I trying to say? Yeah, after seeing how, um, see, I haven't written anything down. Um, (laughs) Say what's in your heart. A lot of, yeah, I'll just say what's in my heart and we can edit around it. Um, There's a lot of great pop culture references in this episode. And like Chris and Tyler said, we're, we're looking at it as a, um, well, it, we're sort of looking at it as a, a moment in time in um, television in the mid-90s. And I think the background and the backstory of why this was made is interesting. Um, this is not to say that the episode is not uninteresting because I enjoyed it. Um, but some of these two-parters, they can, they can get a bit um, stretched out and, and um, kind of lackluster here and there this one it's it's fine i enjoyed it i mean would i rate it as highly as as you have probably not but um certainly discussing it today um my rating has gone up half a notch and it's because of all the little things that i often say um like everyone's used um quite well um but it's very conveniently plotted when you um, with Marcy, you know, she has to be the villain, of course. It's Marcy in a women's group. I mean, I know it's a, a big satirical, we're looking at it with a huge satirical lens, but um, it's sort of set up very conveniently like that. Again, it's Al versus Marcy and, and Al doesn't get to be happy because they're taking away something that makes him happy. And happy Al is adorable Al, as we said before. So, yeah, a lot of um, yeah. pop culture references, like the old Barbara special is kind of hilarious. And um, Bud and Kelly's subplot as it is, is not it's, really it's functional. worth. Yes, exactly. I mean, that's, it's just, it's just there and it's not, um, it's just, you know, inoffensively there. And um, will we get a payoff to that in part two? Well, you have to tune in to find out. But um Again, we get um, we get a we get Miranda. I mean, she's always a highlight when she turns up. Um, <laughs> we get good use of Bud's dummy, <laughs> his stunt dummy, and yeah, there's a lot of good quotes, a lot of good lines. No ma'am gets um, a new member. Yeah, I think this is when Officer Dan has officially, at least from our standpoint, officially he has become a no man member, and and Officer Dan. Um, you know, he's been on the show since season four. <laughs> no man controls the police got... now. <laughs> 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 Their reach <laughs> is extended. <laughs> yeah, 
that's a very good point and it's and that's uh, something else that makes this episode even better somehow and um i like that the actor playing psycho dad is a a genuine um western actor um because this psycho dad show you know the more you hear about it the the crazier it is and you know what would you do would you would you shoot the wife or shoot the school mom <laughs> and uh yeah, I mean, if you only With shoot once, and then just line bullet. them up. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's it's a, an interesting episode of the time. It's still certainly relevant today, if not more so. I'm going to touch a little bit more of that in part two because I just just um, a couple of hours ago I saw a very interesting video. But yeah, there's plenty of articles you can look up from this time where you can find out more about the backstory and why, for instance, this was shown. Um, later than attended because at the top of the show we mentioned that this was originally slated for season eight but this is season nine and we've done it now when um yeah uh, anyway um i think overall i'm gonna give it three and a half barbaras well i'm going to be interviewing three and a half barbaras Oh, thank, thank, thank you, Annabelle. Uh, lo loved your analysis as always, and uh, yeah, especially when we. That's all right. Um, I'll have all the time in the world for that. Um, don't panic about that at all. And uh, yeah, so great analysis as always. And look forward to well when we when we do when part two comes out. Uh, um, think listening to that in context with the part your part two thoughts. Um, so yes, thank you, thank you. Um. Okay, well, um, I was well, about to say, are you going to forget your own <laughs> I thought you were. No, no, no. No, no, no. <laughs> of course not. Uh, so, I'm going to interview four Barbaras as well. Um, I love this episode. I mean, it's not quite an um, all-time all high pinnacle for me, but what, what I loved about it myself is, aside from another No Man episode and Al going bonkers and Psycho Dad... Um, as, as we've discussed, the underlying social commentary in this episode about what was going on in American television at the time, which is also um, not as quite... It wasn't really in discussion here in Australia or New Zealand, for that matter. Although, um, on a side note, um, I know you like the Power Rangers, Chris, but that was actually banned in New Zealand. I mean, so... For, when you talk in America, it was banned in New Zealand, that show. All those bright, yeah, all those bright colours and stuff, like, scared all the, all the New Zealanders away. Because they thought it was too violent for a kid's show. That's why it was banned. Uh -huh. That's fine. Anyway, so uh, well, back to this review of this. Uh, oh, I mean, Bud becoming trying to sneak into the protest. Um, well, you think Al will protest, but no, not Bud, because he's only there for a party and uh, why Psychodad's cancelled, the way they worship um, Psychodad like he's a real person. Uh, I know it's in No More Simpsons, but this is just like when the seniors in The Simpsons worship Matlock like he's a real person. Oh my god, a Matlock expressway, a Psycho Dad expressway. I want one of those. <laughs> yes! Oh, Oh, that, that which also reminds me in Photoshop. So we've got an Albany Highway here in Perth. I photoshopped the sign to read Al Bundy Highway. <laughs> oh, down the road from the Psycho Head oh, off ramp. Wow, nice. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I'll put the picture up. Um, I'll pop. I'll make it. Um, yeah, I'll put the picture up. Um, some some point, or actually, the picture already will be up. Uh. 
yeah, so that, there you go. Are we interviewing four Barbaras um, out, of, out of five for this, this week's episode? Very good. And I just want to put it out there. I've been known to be a more the more critical one uh, between me and Steven in a lot of episodes that we do. And the re- uh, like, I heard you, Annabelle, go like, whoa, when I gave five a little bit because it didn't sound like I was going there. What got me to five was the fact that this episode did a great part one that it really preluded part two in if we were going to rate the whole both of them together it would not be as strong <coughs> but as like a thrilling part one to get me salivating for the conclusion like you hear me no ma'am's going to dc like all right i'm taking the night off of work next week uh, <laughs> like i'm working doing the morning shift i have to be here to see this so yeah, like that extra boost had to get it to five barbers to me. Uh, so it's a very tricky rating system that got it one at that. Kind of like Barbara Streisand's yeah. uh, quadruple uh, win. There's a technicality everywhere. <laughs> Well, thank you all for your thoughts on this. And, uh, well, um, we're actually coming back to Australia next week, funnily enough, um, next week on the Meredith Children's Podcast for Season 9, Episode 13, I Want My Psycho Dead Part 2, First Blood. So if you like this one, you better be back for next week because um, we want to see if the Psycho Dead comes back on the air. You have to find out. We have to come back next week. So make sure you bring your money for your Fosters, your VB, your Forex, whatever Australian beer you want. But until then, stay safe, don't panic, peace out, and, well, hop a kangaroo. <laughs> Knifey spoonie. <laughs> so tune in next week, same Bundy time, same Bundy channel, down here in Australia. <laughs>